Studios in downtown Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And away we go on this Aloha Friday. It's the Sports Animals for Bobby Curran here. And uh, we're going to talk UH football with John Veneri coming up in about 20 minutes here. Bright and early for John. Well, he's up anyway doing his morning television show. But uh, high school football begins. uh, NFL football begins. Football season is here. It just has a nice ring to that when you hear that. All is well in the world. All is better. I probably should say when football's back, it's always a good thing. High school, it was the first game in the country with Farrington defeating Wailua last night. And then for the NFL, even though it was delayed a little bit in the Hall of Fame game, it was just good to have it back. And next week, a lot more NFL games. This weekend, about 13 more high school football games here in the state of Hawaii. So that's also a good thing. Really happy about all that. Mitchell Renz from the Las Vegas Report, You see, he's one of the most popular uh, Raiders experts out there. He's going to join us a little later on this morning. but And I know it was a preseason game, but I don't know. Is it just me or did the Raiders look really, really good? They did look good, but, again, how many starters played for them? Maybe a few, and I'll get, we'll get to the oh, running a lot back of part them in did. just a their, second. Their offensive line started. Their running back started. I mean, you, you um, uh, Darren Waller did not start. Devontae Ad- didn't play. Devontae Adams didn't play. Carr didn't play, but, I mean, it was their offensive line that, that was out there. Their defense, um, most of their defensive guys played. I think also when you're going up against a Jacksonville team that only had practice in pads twice before yesterday's game, and they had a lot of starters out, and they're not that good. I'm not not that good anyway. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Raiders. They did look impressive, and I think one of the impressive things was Zamir White, the running back. Uh, the rookie out of Georgia. Remember him at Georgia yeah. was really good. And now I'm reading all these Raider reports online that maybe Josh Jacobs' job is not safe. Wow. Well, I mean, they didn't pick up his option for a reason. I don't know why. And he looked mm. – Oh, I mean, last year he gained four yards of carry. It was the first year he didn't gain 1,000 yards. But he had four – you know, he had four yards of carry. Um, Zamir White did look good. Um, Kenyon Drake I've never been a real big fan of. I'm guessing it's not only can you run, how good are you at catching the ball nowadays as a running back in the NFL? And Josh Jacobs did start the game, which tells you that he's out there. At least they're put him out there so that he can prove himself. But they've got, they've got, you know what? That's one of the questions I think should be posed to Mitchell Renz. It looks like they got a lot of depth at running back. 
And I, I have seen that in print this morning, too, and reading some of the report. They're really happy thinking the Raiders' strength would be depth at that position and others as well. And it's good to have that kind of a problem as far as too many, not too many, but enough good running backs. You're going to have to really decide somebody's going to be the odd guy out. I, I've never been that impressed with Kenyon Drake either. He's not bad. I mean, he's a starter in the NFL for several teams. But right. I think all things being equal, Josh Jacobs would be ahead of him. And Zamir White, again, it's only this one exhibition game. But watching him in college, that guy is the real deal. Hard to bring down, and it was pretty cool seeing him yesterday. Yeah, there were other guys. There was, there was another couple of running backs they have, and I can't remember who I watched. I watched the replay at night. You know, um, I'm not I'm not the, the kind of guy that's going to sit at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a work day, sit in front of a TV. But I did watch all of the first half and some of the third quarter before I started getting bored. I was um, watching the game. But when I say a team looks good, I'm not saying they look good because they beat the opposed their opponent but you didn't have a lot of fumbles they look crisp on blocking and that's what i'm talking about why the raiders look really good they look really in sync now sure the jaguars aren't that great um they did have trayvon walker out there yeah and uh you know i mean so i had forgotten that he was the number one pick overall in the draft but uh, you know it's just executing executing against another team, they looked very well executing the ball. And part of that is Jared Stidham had been with Josh McDaniels, you know, for, uh, you know, a few years before this in uh, New England. In fact, there's a number of players uh, who follow Josh McDaniel or he picked or whatever. They ended up on the Raiders from New England as well. I think this is going to be this this go around for Josh McDaniels. I think it's going to be successful transfer portal i guess in the nfl with josh mcdaniel it was mentioned how both coaches are first-time head coaches but josh mcdaniel i mean both coaches Who's, of course they're both first-time head coaches but with these teams they are but it almost made it sound like oh. you know they're rookies you know doug peterson has won a super bowl josh mcdaniel didn't do that well in the playoffs but at least they have some experience and i think josh mcdaniel's team coming into the season again they were a playoff team last year so he's got a pretty good nucleus there just trying to add a little bit and make sure that defense and has, uh, has a pass rush and with chandler jones coming in they're gonna have that or they should have that with he and max crosby but they should be a good team again in a really tough division though you know, I noticed, and the Raiders are already known to have a pretty good uh, um, offensive line. And actually, a few times they they looked a little suspect against the um, uh, against Jacksonville. But Alex Leatherwood, I was gonna say Leatherneck. Alex, is it Alex Leatherwood? Yes, yes, yes. Alex Leatherwood. He they he was having tough time in the NFL. Remember, he was a first round draft choice. They moved him to the inside at guard, but last night he was playing right tackle. And Brandon Parker lit up three sacks. He was the left tackle, and there's been a lot written about him. Now, Trayvon Walker got the sack against him, and it's Trayvon Walker. But for a guy, I think it is in his third or fourth year now, uh, that was one of the negatives of the game, according to uh, Mitchell Renz and others, is how Brandon Parker played. And uh, some people are saying, pull him out of the game. And I think Mitchell Renz tweeted that during the game last night. Get him out of there. Yeah, that's why you don't want to have your Derek Carr playing in the first uh, game of the season, right? Right, right. You don't need him for that. Or Trevor Lawrence as well on the other side. 
One of the things I want to ask Mitchell also, I, I, you know, we talked about this yesterday, Chris, with the Raiders having four preseason games. What is the approach for playing your starters? And we hear in the preseason, I've heard this over the years, if, it, if it's a rookie head coach or a coach on the hot seat, they're going all out to win these preseason games. Yes, in the past, though, it used to be week three out of week four in the preseason where the starters would play a half or around that, and that's basically it. Some would play a little bit before that. Nobody plays in week four. I don't remember how it was last year, but I am curious, especially with this team having an extra game, if they're going to play their starters a little bit more. But, again, you can't argue with the results last night. You mentioned how organized, crisp they looked last night. We'll see if that will continue. They also are 4-0 and in their history in Hall of Fame games. So they can, wow. they, they can play in the Hall of Fame game every year. That would be fine for the uh, regular season. But it was a good start for them. And I remember one year, this was a while ago for the Raiders, they were undefeated. That, I think that was when they had six uh, exhibition games. And they won all six. And didn't work out too well in the regular season. But I don't think – even for Josh McDaniel in the second go-around, I think he's looking for a lot of things more important than just winning or losing the game. We want to see how these guys play together as a unit. And hopefully they'll ease into more of the playoffs. Or regular season, excuse me. Yeah, and I think they and and it, it, it's uh, these kinds of games, and that's why you see bad teams try and win a lot of preseason games. Right, it's what Doug Peterson was looking for is to actually come out and go, okay, this is what it feels like to win. We got something accomplished. You know, that's what that's that's what the Jaguars were trying to do last night. But you know, unfortunately, they just yeah, they're probably just not there yet. You know. Yeah. And it's still early. I mean, they, you know, they, they're still missing a whole bunch of pieces. And I think, I just think almost by default, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a better year this year because there's no Urban Meyer to mess things up. And there is Doug Peterson has been pretty good with quarterbacks and offenses. And as I mentioned, won a Super Bowl. So I think they'll be better automatically. And I, I'd like to see him get to be where a lot of people projected him coming even before the draft. He was a once-in-a-generational quarterback, they said. And he still might be. Uh, I just want to see that in the NFL. And we talked about some of the top quarterbacks in the last five, six years in the draft that haven't panned out. Well, a few of them. We had the debate about Marcus and Jameis Winston yesterday, uh, some of the other early quarterbacks. But I think I think that Trevor Lawrence should be okay. He's going to need a lot of help, but I think he got help in the offseason. They improved their team on paper at least. Right, and you'll have Travis Etienne. Right. Uh, he'll be back. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I still like Christian Kirk, and he's an addition. He's not, not going to make the Pro Bowl anytime soon. Yeah, but he's not a WR1. No, probably not. Probably not. But I think he – I mean, I loved him in college. Watched him since he was a freshman. I think he did okay with Arizona. And that's what sure. I mean about Jacksonville, I, in my opinion, is that you're not, you're not going to get – you know how it is. You're not going to get better overnight in the NFL. It takes a year or two, or more than one, two, three players. And they're not going to turn it around with all these Pro Bowl or Pro all-pro-type players right away. But you add a piece or two here and there, and I just mentioned Christian Kirk. He's a nice receiver. Again, he's not a WR1, but he can really help this offense. you got some of the other guys that they've built around there, and I, I like seeing teams like that get better year by year. And uh, with the coaching changes, I said I think by default they'll be better automatically. Uh, we'll see if that continues year by year. But they do have a decent nucleus there, some good young players, and we'll see if that will continue. But it's going to take time for them. Raiders right, right now, they're ready built. Going back to the uh, the Jags, and they I mean, they were active in trying to improve that team. They spent a record amount of money. I don't know if you saw the graphic. They spent a record amount of money on free agents bringing them into the, you know, bringing them into the fold in the offseason. So once you get those guys together with all of these young players, they have a great squad, uh, group of linebackers on that team. 
they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, they're not going to go to the playoffs, but it is a chance to grow, and um, you know, it's it's a chance to grow and really kind of for all the returning players, a chance to kind of mend. You know, I look at their skill position players. You mentioned Travis Etienne, the running back, still out. Hopefully he'll be healthy for week one at least. And I mentioned Kirk. they got Marvin Jones, used to be with Detroit. Pretty good receiver. Zay Jones, if I'm not mistaken, played with Buffalo, maybe even the Raiders before that. Hasn't been that impressive. But, I mean, it's probably better than what they had last year. Um, and you got James Robinson coming off the injury. He's uh, at a running back position. Hopefully he'll be okay. But little by little, they should get better. I mean, you look at their defense. Trayvon Walker, as we mentioned, Josh Allen, the linebacker uh, from Kentucky from a few years ago. He's been pretty good in his first few years. It's just that, again, he's on a really bad team. But they got a few players there. And, I, again, I'd like to see them develop. And I'm glad for Duck Peterson, who probably got wronged really bad by Philadelphia two years after winning the Super Bowl, I believe it was. They let him go. I, I'd like. I think that would be a great story if he could lead this team to the playoffs at some point. And I know that's a tall task, but it could happen with the young talent they do have so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a text I, from Eddie. Eddie says Josh McDaniels is the same guy who drafted Tim Tebow. I think he'll do better this time around. I don't know that Josh McDaniels actually drafted Tim Tebow, did he? He wanted him, and I, th- I know they traded up. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. at his insistence. But, I mean, I, I'm not going to – at the time, it you worked think, out pretty think, good the first year or two. Right, but I mean, are you? you, you, you it's who Belichick wants. Not. <laughs> well, I was in Denver, though. Josh. I was in Denver. Oh, I'm sorry, at Denver. Oh, well, oh yeah. he was the head coach, right? That's right. He yes, was the head coach yes. at Denver. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't fault him for that. I mean, Tebow was one of the greatest college players, and yes, there was a lot of talk. He might not be a good quarterback in the NFL. It turns out that talk was pretty accurate. But at the time, I don't think it was that big of a reach, and it was late in the first round, 29th or 30th pick, I believe. No, they moved up to 22 to get him. It was 22? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm almost positive it was 22. But they moved up to get him. That's what's interesting. Right. But But you know what? Hey, you know what? Who hasn't made a bad choice? I mean, you know, speaking of New England, they've made a lot of bad choices in the draft. Right. Look at the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons right now don't have any. They're they're a JV team because of the choices they've made in the draft. And I know all about that as a Jets fan. They they've been uh, known for that. That's kind of their their the signature move every April or May to do that. Part of the problem with the Jets is they'll once they do get a good player, none of them want to stay, either. I wish you were wrong, but you're right. Yeah, Darrell Rivas right. as one example. Uh, Jamal Adams as another example. Let's not go on and on. I'm getting depressed today. But, uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. And then Josh McDaniel, going back to him, remember he was the guy who had the Indianapolis job, and after he accepted it verbally, turned it down. And he got a lot of criticism from indie people about that because he it was oh, like wow. a last-minute thing. And he I don't, he never said what it was. Some people thought he that he thought Belichick would be leaving sooner than later and he would be able to take over for him. But that, you know, let some people a little bit down on him. And let's see if he can make up a little bit for that. That's off the field. And Denver, though, I mean, he got let go, of course, as it turns out. But, you know, you lead him to the playoffs in, what, year two, I believe. It's not such a bad thing. And, I mean, you have to admit, he's probably got one of the better offensive minds. Maybe not the best. I don't think he's maybe as good as Doug Peterson as an example or an Andy Reid. But, I mean, he's been pretty successful over the years with New England with that offense. And, of course, he had a lot of help with the roster assembled, especially with Brady. Uh, but I'm curious to see how he will do this year. I, I would think that the Raiders are going to be a playoff team. 
Uh, I know it's going to be tough, and we talked about a month ago, all of us, you and, you and Tanner and I, about the AFC West and maybe that every team could get in, which would be tough mathematically. But that's a mm. really tough division. There's going to be an odd team out. To me, it's Denver. I know you guys think Denver should could make the playoffs, but that's going oh, to be yeah. a great battle all year long because there's not a weak link right now in that division. Denver is definitely better with Russell Wilson, definitely better. And the other three teams are playoff quality, including the Chargers, who just missed out by an overtime loss in Week 17 last year. All right. Uh, coming up today, there, we can get into a lot of – now that the NFL season is here, there are a lot of storylines to get into. And uh, I'm sure we all have, you know, a few that we are following along. And you can text in or call as well at 808-296-1420. We're going to talk some UH football with uh, this year's uh, uh, play-by-play voice of the Rainbow Warriors, John Veneri. That's coming up next. Reminder, uh, programming note, this afternoon at, uh, let's see, this afternoon, 1.35 p.m. Now, is this, on, this is on CBS 1500. Uh, we got the Yankees against the St. Louis Cardinals here on National Underwear Day. I'll explain <laughs> soon. Coming up on ESPN Honolulu. We're doing the show. We will be doing the show. Myself and Hunter Hughes. Let's <laughs> say Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is uh, taking wow. some time out. He's flying to Hawaii. And Hunter Hughes and I are going to be doing the uh, radio show from the practice uh, from TC Chang from UH football practice on Monday, and we look forward to that. Can't wait. John Veneri joins us now on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning, sunshine. Hello, fellers. Hey, John, when you talk about practice going on for a little over a week so far, have any players stood out to you? Have they impressed you so far? Oh, okay. Uh, a few, but I, I'm going to just talk about one um, because mm. I think I'm in total agreement with Coach Timmy Chang, and that's Jordan Murray. Mm. Oh, oh. Guy, he is a beast. He is an unbelievable athlete. Jordan Murray, um, for those that don't know, plays tight end. Um, he's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds, um, and he's he's uh, coming out of Missouri State, and he is just a, he's just a specimen because he's like you could you could see a, a guy that's two forty, and be like wow he's so out of shape, but <laughs> Murray is like he is just ripped built and he runs really really good. He catches the ball with his hands. He he I was so I was watching film with coach timmy the other day and he was he was so impressed with the way he played that he he kept rewinding he's like here look at this and then we'd watch a different angle he's here look at this and then it's a, a more and more i became a fan because i see what how he lines up and they they'll use him uh, a lot like they did caleb phillips last year they'll use him in like an h-back formation they'll mm-hmm. send him in motion mm-hmm. they'll put him out at wide out He's tall enough, obviously, at 6'5", to go get the ball. He's got a great vertical. Um, you know, he's not as fast as some of the, as some of the, uh, the wide receivers, but, but you, you figure at 240, 6'5", catch a ball, he can catch it over the middle and make guys bounce off of him. I, just, I became a fan uh, watching him catch footballs, but then sitting in film with Coach Timmy, I, I, it became even more – uh, emphasized how much of an athlete this guy is, and I am so looking forward to him, him uh, 
because he can block too. I mean, he, they'll sit him at an H back and in a power formation, they'll use a tight end and then they'll set Murray just just off the line behind the tight end. And, you know, any running back would want to run behind that. That is just a great formation with two really big guys in front of you. And so you get a pulling a pulling tackle to go with you. That's a huge <laughs> uh, ball in front of you. It, it's just exciting. It's really exciting. There's a, there's you know, a bunch I think... of guys I could talk about, but Jordan Murray is definitely one that I will be watching. And mm-hmm. that's a number, number seven, by the way. Um, that's a guy that I think fans will really, really get to uh, – you know, because the number seven, obviously, it was Devon Best, and you know, a lot of tradition there. Such a great athlete, but I think Jordan Murray's going to make a name for himself, even though he's wearing one of those same numbers. It sounds like he. Uh, it sounds like he'd be a great uh, red zone guy. Oh, I don't doubt it. Like he, I mean, I, he's he can put on a good block. He can move up to the linebackers. You know, if he's in that power formation. He could easily he'll have those extra steps to move up to the linebacker position. And as you know, if you're if you're not in the new rules now with college football, if you're not in the tackle box, you can't cut block. Mm-hmm. You can only go you can only cut block between tackle and tackle. Now if he's set just outside that, he's you know, he's strong enough to move up to the linebacker position and stand up and turn you and move you wherever he wants you to go because he's just so big and strong. Um and, you know, and then on the very next play, you could you could release him to the linebacker, and instead of blocking him, just release right past him and dump a pass to him. I, I think short yarded situations. I think uh, going up for a ball because you lose Nick Martin, Nick, Nick Mardner's height, but Murray's the height that you need, um, and he's got a great vertical. He's so big that you're going to bounce off of him. So I could see him playing in a number of different um, positions in a number of different, uh, you know. Uh, whether it's the red zone, on the goal line, blocking, catching, going up for a ball. He's, to me, he's a must-watch. I wonder if he can play both ways. <laughs> I, I, sure, I sure hope not because the defense right now is looking pretty good because uh, they, oh, don't, awesome. they don't need him there. The John Benary? line, the linebackers are unbelievable right now. They're having great a great fall camp. Expand a little bit on the defense. I mean, you, you just uh, you could just name a bunch of players. You know, the, the returning players, the linebackers mm-hmm. look unbelievable. In fact, Coach Timmy Chang thinks both the offensive line and the defensive line are the, uh, for lack of a better word, the foundation because most of the lines in college right. football are mm-hmm. But they really are the senior groups and the most experienced, and he is super excited about um, both the offensive and defensive line. I know – uh, we've talked about the offensive line being a very senior-heavy group, but this is a very experienced group um, and, a, and a very physical group when you're talking about the defensive line. And, and you know, if the offensive line is that good, then who better to give them the work than, than, the, offensive, than the defensive line? So this is a, it's a great combination of, of – um, I know they, they switch it up a little bit during practice. They go one versus threes, twos versus mm-hmm. fours. Uh, but, um, man, they're getting some great work. And the fact that I'm getting to be able to watch film with the coaches has mm-hmm. helped me learn a lot about what these guys are doing. I still don't, you know, the terminology changes, but some of the, the, the some of what they do is the same throughout. You know what I mean? Like if you go from mm-hmm. one NFL team to another NFL team, it's really just the terminology. The plays are kind of the same. The routes are kind of the same. The, the, the schemes are the same. They're just called something different. 
And so I'm not that it matters, but I'm learning as a football fan myself. I'm learning a little bit about what they what they're doing and what they call it. John, uh, we're talking with John Veneri here on ESPN Honolulu. John, I'm also interested in some of the other new players, and I know there'll be a, supposedly a depth chart next week, although the quarterbacks are just going to have, I guess, two at the top and name a start of the week of the Vanderbilt game. What about a new running back, a freshman, Tyland Hines? Ty Hines out of Texas. I've heard such good things about him. Is he a guy that might crack the rotation this year, the depth chart? You know, he, he's definitely he's in the rotation, and he's getting good reps. But you got Diedrich Carson, you got Najee Bryant, you got Jordan Johnson, uh, I'm missing somebody. I know Tylen is in there. Tylen is on a little bit on the smaller side. Mm. Um, he's only like 170 pounds. Right. And as a freshman, this would be the time for him to really learn because I really don't think he's as big and as strong as a Dedrick Parson. He is getting valuable reps. Whether or not those reps translate, translate into game time, I don't know. Because Najee Bryant is a beast. Diedrich Parson is a beast. He's one of the strongest guys pound for pound on the football team. And, oh. you know, Najee Bryant's 200 pounds. Tylen Hines is 170 pounds. He's 5'6". That doesn't mean you can't scat him out of the, out of the, uh, the backfield and run him into the flats and catch a ball or two. Um, and, in fact, I'd even go as far to say as, you know, he, he would provide depth in the slot position, but that's even – that's even kind of pushing it too because the slot with Dior and Tama, you know, James Phillips, who is another, James Phillips is another guy you're going to want to hear about because even though he's small, he's playing in a position where he doesn't need to block like say a linebacker or a defensive lineman. Um, But you know, Tylen is getting some good reps. He's getting some good reps and and currently he's running both in the threes and the fours. So, you know, he's getting good reps. I just don't know how much he'll play with those other two guys or three guys in front of him. We talk so often about the offense and the defense. What about special teams? Have you taken anything away from seeing them early on in practice? Well, here's the deal about special teams. First of all, you got Coach Sheffield. He's just involved in everything. Um, but but the special teams, is, is uh, they're still kind of a work in progress. they got 50-plus new players coming in between walk-ons, uh, freshmen, and transfers. And, and about 30% or maybe 15 to 20 of those guys will really contribute to, uh, to offense and defense. The rest of those guys, I expect to see a lot of those guys on special teams and contributing in a big way. So they, they're putting a lot of emphasis on, on special teams, and, and, and it's a lot of new names and new faces. And clearly uh, with 50 new players, 50-plus new players, um, they're going to want to use some of those guys for special teams. They've got the depth, so why not? As, uh, as far as names throwing out at you, I wouldn't really be able to tell you um, just because I haven't paid a whole lot of attention yet to special teams, but I do know that a lot of those new players are contributing there. One We're of the- talking with uh, John Veneri here on ESPN Honolulu. Only 22 days, 9 hours, 59 minutes, and 35 seconds till kickoff. Go ahead, Gary. Oh, John, my God, of- you're doing what I do. <laughs> John, special team. John, one of those players on special teams that I guess they had high hopes for, Chad Owens Jr., who was going to maybe try to make yeah. it on the return team. I understand he has a fractured foot, hopes to oh. come back at some point. Talk about how he has looked, and are there any other significant injuries in camp? You know, um, there have been – well, first of all, let me start with your first question, Chad Owens Jr. <clears throat> he was a guy who was at, at the quarterback position and then went to uh, – moved over to – he was in what they call the F, F 
receiver position. It's unfortunate. I, I don't know how much playing time he would have had because he sat behind some of those guys I was just telling you about. Um, Dior Scott, Tama, Tama Mokiao, Atimalala, James Phillips. Um, uh, Chad Owens Jr. as a freshman, you hate to see anybody uh, get injured. But I believe that he could come back. He looked pretty good at the, at the slot position. He, did, he really did look good. It's unfortunate that you get injured like that um, because it's something that's going to take you out for five, six months. You know, he's, he's pretty much done. Um, but on, on the, if you look on the positive side, glass half full type of guy, then at least you have uh, the, the time to learn the offense, learn the schemes, because I think um, – I'm just going to bring up another name, Joey Yellen, uh, the, the pit turns for mm. the quarterback. <clears throat> he looks good in practice, but one of his downfalls is, and it's not really a downfall, it's just a situation, is he hasn't had the time like Braden Shager uh, to learn this offense because he came in for fall camp. And so he hasn't had uh, the whole spring and summer to work on this offense. So while he's a pretty decent player, has a pretty good arm, and, and, and is catching on, he's not quite there with the plays. And so – how do I relate that to Chad Owens Jr.? This is an opportunity, glass half full again, for him to learn this offense um, because Coach Shu has, inst- has installed this offense, and it, and it is pretty intricate. They have a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of times you'll hear coaches say, um, we're going to install 20% of our package. That's not the case for this team. This team is putting in a lot of plays, and it's pretty intricate. It's so intricate that Coach Timmy Chang has taken the receivers because what, is, what he's doing is he's teaching the receivers the run-and-shoot routes and how to read defenses, while Coach Shoemaker is focusing on the running backs, the quarterbacks, and the offensive line and in, and in putting his former offense into these guys. And so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of teamwork when it comes to the coaches to install this offense and there's a lot going on. There's not, they're not just installing a small percentage of the offense. They're putting the whole playbook in at it. And these guys are just, you know, they're getting mentally drained. And even the coaches, some of the coaches are still learning it too. So mm. <clears throat> there's a lot going on out here. The learning curve is super steep. But it seems like they're getting it. But they're correcting it. The good thing is they're doing four-hour practices. They've broken up these guys into groups. And so when they watch film or do walkthroughs in the afternoon, they're able to really get down and say, this is the step you need to take. This is what you're looking for. They're, it's really, really one-on-one, even though, you know, these coaches have more than one guy in their group. It's, it's a really good learning experience for these guys, and I think they're taking every advantage of every minute they have through fall camp. Awesome. John, thank you. We didn't mean to keep you so long. We'll let you get back to your day, but uh, we appreciate the knowledge this morning. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks, John. Thank you. I'm actually sitting up here at practice waiting for them. They're going to have a scrimmage at 6. Start Practice starts at 6.45. Their scrimmage is going to get going at about 7.45. So if you're listening to this and you want to swing on by, they're on the Ching Complex field right now getting ready uh, for a pretty big full padded scrimmage. So uh, I know it's open to the public, just letting everybody know. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you. John Veneri there, uh, along with Mark Veneri, bring you the games this season on ESPN Honolulu, and now the Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union countdown to kickoff reads 22 days, 9 hours, 55 minutes, and 3 seconds (laughs) until we kick off against Vanderbilt.
And uh, once again, yes, we'll be doing the uh, morning show from uh, UH practice on Monday. So check that out, too, here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Football season's here. High school football season is here. College football right around the corner. We're getting into it on ESPN Honolulu. One of the good things about August. One of the things, Chris, also I've been trying to understand, I think I understand a little bit better now with Hawaii football, is the quarterback situation as far as the depth chart who will start. Because we heard from Timmy uh, on our show, Timmy Chang, a few weeks ago, where they would have a depth chart after the second week of practice, which would be next Wednesday or Thursday. Yet we're also hearing they hope to not name the quarterback publicly. Ian Shoemaker said the day of the Vanderbilt game. Uh, Timmy said the week of the Vanderbilt game. But what they're going to do after they get their depth chart, at least for themselves, the coaching staff, is they're going to give the two top quarterbacks the majority of the reps. So and that's what I was uh, saying as far as I'm trying to understand how that would work because if it was going to be just, you know, in a normal situation, the top guy gets most of the reps, second guy a few more, and so on. But if you're going to give those two guys, we'll know who the top two are. But even if we're at practice, we're probably not going to be able to figure out who the starter is until the week of the game. I guess it could be either or if they're going to give those guys close to equal reps. So it might be something we find out on game day, 22 days from today, uh, unless it leaks out. I'm sure people are going to have their own idea about that as far as who it'll be. But apparently next week it'll break up to the top two. And I am curious just about how that'll look. And the reports from people we talked to, Mark Venary earlier in this week as well, looks like Braden Shager and Joey Ellen are the top two. But it's still very early. Another takeaway I take from camp, and this is from Stephen Sy's article today. He talks about the headline is, Timmy Chang makes sure to get his point across before scrimmage. He was very passionate after a couple of drop passes. But I like what Stephen wrote. He said, unlike his predecessor, Chang's loud delivery was without harshness. And just a little memory, a memory <laughs> about, yeah, that's kind of how I took it as Todd Graham last year. And, you know, I, I read that twice and thought, that's actually a really cool statement to me. Because we know Timmy Chang really well. We've known him since he was a player. He's been on our show numerous times. We'll see him out and about. We know his personality, but a head coach, you know, can be a little bit different when you're, you know, caught in this, caught up in a situation. I get the impression that Timmy's going to be in control. He's going to be in charge, but he's not going to be one of those guys that's going to yell and scream a lot. Maybe that'll happen in time. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but I think he's going to handle everybody with tack and class. You know, Tanner, do we still have that audio from the other day from Rod York? Okay, coming up next, I want to do this, uh, uh, get a traffic report in here a little bit early. I want to, um, Rod York had some comments to say about the transition between Todd Graham to Timmy Chang on Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy. I think we have enough time to play that coming up next. You'll find it interesting. We'll get, we'll get back to UH football. We were going to play uh, some uh, some audio from Kanoa's show the other day, but uh, we're not going to quite have enough time to do that this hour. We'll do it coming up a little later on this, uh, this morning. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. We're the sports animals. This is the Bobby Curran Show. And now that the NFL season is here, what storylines are you most interested in, uh, in following along here? The Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 296-1420.
you can uh, chime in there or give us a call. I mean, obviously, the the biggest one is what everyone's talking about is Deshaun Watson. By the way, Watson will play in Cleveland's preseason games, and then he'll have to sit out at least six games coming up after that. Um, Deshaun Watson, his impact on the Browns, that's a big one, right? It's obviously a big one. I'm, I'm, I wish it would go away, but I know it won't. Not even, even depending on how the appeal goes with favor of the NFL or him, it's still not going to go away. But that is the biggest story off the field, and it'll translate or transition to on the field. Some of the things I'm looking forward to, I wonder what Tom Brady's going to do at 45. Every year I wonder what Tom Brady's going to do. He doesn't have Gronk, <laughs> but still I'd love to see him go out. I mean – if it's not my team and it won't be winning the Super Bowl, I wouldn't mind seeing Tom Brady win one. The Rams are a big story. Are they going to be able to repeat without? I heard somebody say last night on ESPN Honolulu, well, they have a lot of losses, uh, Odell Beckham and Von Miller. And those are big losses. Odell might come back. But that's not a major, major loss. Von Miller was with him for the Super Bowl run, and he is significant. But I, they still have Aaron Donald and everybody else. But one bigger one maybe to me, Chris, is Cincinnati. Were they a one-hit wonder, or are they going to go A to the playoffs and B deep in the playoffs again? I'm curious about that. I think if everyone stays healthy on Cincinnati, they can easily – not easily, nothing's easy. They can make it to the playoffs. When you talk – when you mention the Rams, the you know, Matthew Stafford and the, the, the pain in his elbow, he hasn't thrown yet, yeah. which is very, very scary, and they're just, you know – they're just avoiding him from throwing a football right now. Now they say, "Oh, he can do it," and he just do it under pain. But that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of scary. Uh, Ken's calling in. Hi, Ken. Good morning. First of all, uh, Bobby, get well soon. Uh, Chris Amen. and and Gary, man, you know what? It's all love. Whenever I get to talk to you guys, I'll go from the reverse order. As far as the guy with the, with the sore elbow. House Money says they already got a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford, so just keep him healthy. If they wanted mm-hmm. to say don't even play till the eighth game, game of the season, that would be wise. In my <laughs> so his elbows are ouchy, you know, so cool, cool. If they go four and five without him and then he's healthy. But uh, Tom Brady, well, let's see, he's already perfect. He's got a supermodel wife. I just wonder if he's got some avocado for his toast. But you know mm-hmm. what? His center got hurt, didn't it? Tampa Bay center got injured yeah. already, and they had some offensive line. I'm gonna tell you what I think is gonna happen. He's gonna, he's going to fool around and find out. Is what I think. I think eventually you keep tempting fate. It's like guys that get deployed many times. I don't mean to make it negative, but if you go over there once, good. Go there twice, good. Go there three times. I don't know, man. So to me, he's the best. He's the greatest. I don't want him to die on the field, but if he did, it would make a hell of a TV show, and he'd still be a handsome guy. So I could keep <laughs> going on and on. You probably got time constraints. I was gonna say something else, but. I say enough, but but the last thing, oh, yeah, Tua. Tua, this whole thing is playing out perfectly for Tua, man. He's, he's, he's a quarterback, man. I hope he doesn't stick with Miami. I mean, he's still going to be rich, and he's still going to be Tua. You know, and, and, and Tom Brady, he probably will play till he's 50. He might get hurt this year and then come back and win another Super Bowl with Miami, and that's all I got, guys. <laughs> you've, always been, you've always been my favorites, and all of you. Now, oh, yeah, I'm going to call at 9 o'clock and say Artie Wilson is my favorite of all y'all. Isn't today Friday? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Artie's right, not. Guys. Artie's on vacation today. Artie's on vacation okay, today. Well, this is what I was going to say. The main thing I was going to say about Brittany Griner, that's my main point. You're a Marine parent, and I am a Marine parent. If you go in the military, man, you're not, you're not going to learn a word called contraband. 
you're gonna who who flies to another country and they're just so cavalier about their weed. Everybody's making Britney out to be this this victim. She might be, and if they plan it on her, she's a victim. But I don't think so. How come she never got arrested all the other times she went to Russia? This is not her first rodeo. How many years has she gone overseas and played there? See, to mm. me, if she were, I was gonna say if she was a man, but that's that's a bad redirect. Redirect. Nobody feels sorry for like Montrezl Horrell. Nobody feels sorry for Iman Shumpert, but everybody's crying over Brittany Griner. And I th- I see it. Nine years is ridiculous. But how many people are in jail for a third strike on some weed? We put more energy into these sports people. There are folks sitting up in jail for real over marijuana, and they'll never get out. So, you know, I hope she does all nine years. That's ridiculous. All right. But Hey, have a good weekend, Ken. Thank you very Thanks, much. Ken. I can see how a lot of people wouldn't agree with that, but um, you know that's why we that's why we have folks call in, give your opinion. Uh, thank you, Ken, uh, and we appreciate you calling up. All right, uh, let's see. We've got uh, our top stories again coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Also, uh, buy or sell is on the way. Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Marcus Mariota, I think, are our in Hawaii. Those are a couple of storylines that we are really hanging on to. Definitely big time. It seems like their NFL starting futures are on the line for both guys this season. Either put up or you might not be starting the year after. So I'm hoping they both have really good years. I know my uh, Tua has a better situation right now, and he has more talent around him. Marcus, though, I still think he's better than some people perceive, and I think he should be a starting quarterback in this league four years to come, but he's going to have to prove it this year. And it's going to be tougher because, as you said earlier, it's the Atlanta Falcons. He doesn't have Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. He's right got on. Kyle Pitts, though, not a bad tight end to have. Mm-hmm. Right on. It is football season. More coming up with the animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories today. Football season is here. High school football season is here in Hawaii. Farrington and Wailua kicked it off yesterday. I think it's great that Hawaii started the season. It's like week zero in high school football like it was for college football when Hawaii was the only game or one of two. Farrington, as you mentioned, winning that game, it's their first win since 2019. Now, last year they were winless. I don't think they played a game in 2020, so it sounds a little worse, but good for them to get that win. 200 passing yards all in the first half on six of eight passing for 200 yards for Farrington. That's incredible. All right. Uh, let's see. Roger Goodell has picked former New Jersey Attorney General Peter Harvey to hear the NFL's appeal of the Sean Watson suspension. I heard Jeff Darlington from ESPN talking about this on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, that Roger Goodell in the NFL had that clause, so to speak, put in this policy. Roger Goodell did not, did not want to make the final decision on Deshaun Watson. So they put it in there that he could do it or appoint somebody else. But he had told people, according to Jeff Darlington, that he did not want to be the guy making that final call. He wanted somebody else, which is interesting. But by getting a yes man in these guys, he is making the final decision. Stop it. Stop it, Raj. All right. Uh, the NFL season is here. Raiders look pretty sharp. I know it's preseason. But Raiders were clicking on all cylinders offensively. Well, and, yeah, I'd say clicking on all cylinders offensively last night in the Hall of Fame game. And the Jacksonville Jaguars were not clicking at all with Jake Luton on offense. So it made their defense look really good, too. 
Jake Luton, a quarterback I believe Hawaii played against at Oregon State a few years ago. And I know there's a lot of Raiders fans listening and Keith Spencer, a big Raiders fan. Don't think this gets you closer to the playoffs by winning a preseason game. But you are undefeated in Hall of Fame games at 4-0. and So you got that going for you. Hey, you know what? That's my, that's my second favorite team. I love the Raiders. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get my Raiders hat. You love the stadium. You I got, got the in the other now. room. Got my, my Raiders hat. I think that's all the top stories today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman on the Bobby Curran Show on this Aloha Friday. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Good morning, guys, and on this Aloha Friday edition of Buy or Sell. So let's go ahead and jump into it. And like you guys just talked about, the Hall of Fame game last night was played with much Hall of Fame effort, we can say. <laughs> By the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Oakland and the Las Vegas Raiders. Ah, let that one slide. That's okay. But it was one drive and one sack for number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, as Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson liked what he saw of Walker saying, I thought he was good. I think I saw felt I think I saw felt could see his length, his athleticism, his power. He's gonna be a good player. Buy or sell. For his NFL career, Trayvon Walker will be a late bloomer. Won't do much this season. Tanner Hayworth, everybody, by the way. Uh, I am going to sell it because I guess it depends on what you mean by do much. Coming out, Was it coming out of Georgia, they were saying, or Chris Collins was saying something. Coming out of high school, the guy had like one sack. Um Maybe it was his junior years. I don't know. Something like that. But you don't have to have actual sack numbers to be a successful uh, edge rusher. If you're a disruptor, I think that, um, you know, that's pretty good, too. So I'm, I'm going to sell. I'm selling, but maybe for a different reason, although I agree with Chris on that. As far as him being a late bloomer, I just think it's too soon to tell. When you're playing, I mean, one game he looked good, and that game, so you don't put too much into it. There's no telling for certain what kind of a year or what kind of a career he's going to have. With Jacksonville, it might make it a little tougher knowing their history, but I, I think it's still up in the air on how far he'll do it. So I'm not, I don't believe he'll be a late bloomer necessarily, so I'm selling. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Matthew Stafford will not be participating in team reps in training camp due to what some are speculating as a series bout of tendonitis. Sean McVay does not want to say that it is tendonitis, but he's calling it something like pitcher's arm, in the that something that MLB players deal with a lot. So they're going to get as much rest on Stafford's arm as possible before the regular season starts. But buy or sell, once the real games start to matter in the NFL, Matthew Stafford will pull through for the Rams. I'm going to I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that because there is so much at stake money-wise um, for the franchise that you know, they get the best medical attention they can and he can play. He can play with pain, but they'd probably rather him not. So, I'm going to buy that though. I'm going to sell that. I don't I don't again, I don't think there are any guarantees and as great as they were last year winning the Super Bowl of course, I wonder if he's going to be a guy just going to be good, not great this year, and I just don't think there are any guarantees. Wouldn't it be the ultimate, though, if they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and have him play this year when Stafford is hurt? I don't think that will happen, but that would be pretty cool. Either way, I'm selling it. 
buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And we're now a couple of days removed from the big Juan Soto trade for the San Diego Padres. And now it sounds like some anonymous MLB executives are coming out of the uh, the woodworks having quotes like, hey, I don't know how they're paying for it. I can't understand San Diego's business model, etc., etc., as the Padres have now blown through the luxury tax threshold for the second straight year. Buy or sell, it's a losing mindset to criticize a winning mentality like San Diego's, L.A.'s, or New York's. I'm buying that. Yeah. Worry about your own team. Don't criticize others. Buy 100%. I'm I'm going to buy that. I, I don't think it's wrong to say that that's how you feel as far as the losing mentality. But the they're gonna, it looks like they're trying to be like the Golden State Warriors in this aspect. They're just spending all the money to get the greatest players they can possibly assemble, build for right now, worry about the future later. Now, there is talk that San Diego might not be able to afford Soto after this contract is up because of Machado, Tatis, Musgrave, and some of the others. Musgrove and some of the others. But you want to win now. And I looked at the first two games that Soto played in San Diego, 44,000. I think it was 36,000 last night or so. On weeknights, those are big-time crowd. They're going to get a little extra revenue with the ticket money, I would imagine, probably a lot more money. We'll see if they can afford these guys. But right now, I'm, I'm buying that. Okay, wait a minute now. If you're San Diego, this if you're San Diego, this has to be your mindset. Knock knock. Who's there? Nunya. Nunya who? Nunya business. <laughs> I like Thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> Tip your bartenders and waitresses. <laughs> buy, 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 buy. Or sell. Sell, sell, sell. You never heard that one. <laughs> no, Nunya, Nunya it was delivery business. too. Just a delivery. <laughs> I didn't use. I can figure it out. I thought I could, but no. But again, going back to San Diego real fast, Chris. The fact that they got that many people at a game. I don't know what their average attendance is. I know the Dodgers are first. Yankees are probably second. And St. Louis is, I think, second or third as well. But for the mm. Padres to draw these fans in, that's going to help them a little bit. Now, they're still going to have to pay the luxury tax threshold because of what they're spending, but they're going to get extra revenue because of uh, Soto, Bell, and uh, Drury from Cincinnati that came over. And the further they go in the playoffs will probably help them a little bit as well if they go far in the playoffs. But I like that strategy. If that was my team, I like the aggressiveness. It's going to cost more for the fans to go next year. But you have a better chance of winning, and that should be what it's all about. Ask the Pittsburgh Pirates about that because they do it yeah. the opposite way. They'll take the money from the th- tax threshold that they get from other team and keep it for their business P&L statements. They don't go out <laughs> and buy new players or try to draft better or make trade. They just stand pat and try to get them. It's like the Cubs used to be, and now they, they are again. Yeah. It's like the Cubs, the, I mean, the Cubs, it's like, why? it was so funny because until, what was the guy's name who built them up? Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. Before Theo Epstein got there, the thought was, well, look at all the people in the stands. Why spend money? Yeah, sold out every game. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because they have to, I, I think, to succeed in the National League West, because of where the Dodgers are and all of their spending, that's the only way you can keep up. It is. So, if you're again, if you're a fan, you love it. And they didn't just, I mean, they keep, they're keeping up. But look what they added. 
Are, are you kidding me? I mean, Juan Soto, and I know I, I did downplay him a few weeks ago. I think he's, I know he's an all-star. I know he's a great player. I just didn't look at him as a guy that deserves $35, 40000000 million. But actually, he does more so when I think about his age and what he does on a bad team right. in Washington. What he'll do with San Diego besides selling tickets. It was a great move. Again, can they afford him after the contract? Who knows? But right now, if you're a fan, you love it, and you're going to get a lot more attention, and you're going to be a threat to every team in the NL come playoff time. Regular right. season, they're not going to catch the Dodgers. It's almost impossible uh, because there's less than there's like 50 games left, you know, right around there, and they're like 12 games out. They're not going to do that, but make the playoffs, and it's a whole nother story. They're going to be scary good. They already are. All right. And I did mention earlier today is National Underwear Day. And we celebrate because it only comes one day a year. And um, the, the um, I got a fun fact. They did a survey like 10 years ago. And they found out that the average woman owns 20 pairs of everyday underwear and 14 extra pairs for special occasions. <laughs> While men, men on the other hand, own an average of uh, eight pairs of underwear. Some even without holes. So <laughs> we're a little different when it comes to underwear. Happy Underwear Day, everybody. Weather-wise today, it's going to be, gosh, it's, we've got a, a few clouds and showers this morning, but it'll be, um, we'll say mostly sunny, partly cloudy this afternoon. You know, I, this has always been a big day for me, and I was never made aware that it was National Underwear Day. I'm almost embarrassed to, to think about that. <laughs> it's also birthdays of Patrick Ewing, Marsha Brady, a la Maureen McCormick, Neil Armstrong, first man on the moon, Mm-hmm. Keegan Ota and Gary. Oh, Dick. happy birthday, Keegan Ota. Yes. What is he, about 19 or something? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think he, so. He so. sure acts like it. I'm we're, just joking. We're happy all birthday, Keegan Ota. Also, happy birthday to Olympic track star, three-time Olympian, and three-time world champion. Lolo Jones is 40 years old today. Oh. If you're celebrating your birthday, we certainly wish you a happy, happy birthday on this Aloha Friday. This is ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk some Mountain West football coming up in oh i don't know about 20 minutes about 20 minutes jeremy mouse for the mountain west wire is going to be here so uh, lots of football talk coming up here on espn honolulu one of the topics i want to ask jeremy about besides his thoughts on the university of hawaii boise state i saw the report the other day chris they're trying to raise over 300 million dollars in revenue for improvements and renovations on not only football but all other athletic facilities They've, they've gotten, I believe, in the last six months, they said $3 million-plus donations, single donations. Those are great for them. What I wonder, and that's still a long ways away from 300 I know, but they're trying to raise all this money. And I, they mentioned all the details, luxury suites, more seats in their football stadium, the practice facility, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is maybe trying to build their program up to maybe leave the Mountain West. Again, it's just me speculating on my own about oh. that. But you know, you're, you're doing all these major improvements. They've exp- they've renovated their stadium. I knew I know at least once, how many years ago. But this is a major renovation, and it's not. It's in the Olympic sports. It's in basketball. Everything, but especially the football facility, practice facility, stadium, locker room, new coaches' office, new staff offices, new training, weight room, all that. And I just wonder because the rumors have been out there. Maybe not for the Pac-12, but maybe the Big 12. I mean, we just keep hearing Boise is a possibility, and I wonder if that's part of the process for them. 
it seems like that's the that's the thing to do, right? I mean, you have yes. to keep moving forward; uh, otherwise, you're moving backwards. Three hundred million dollars for a stadium seems like. I mean, it's four hundred here. By the time they finish, it'll be eight hundred million. I know, right? I get all that, but the uh, but three hundred million dollars for a stadium. I'm guessing they want to make it a little bigger than what do they play in front of now? Thirty-five, thirty thousand, something like that. I think it's in the thirty-six, thirty-seven range. But that's where the whole uh, the three hundred plus is for all of their athletic facilities, mainly for football. Wow. Almost two hundred, I believe, as they sorted it out. And I'll try to pick up how it was sorted out for each sport. But it I'll seems keep... so cheap. Well, it's renovating it. It's not a new stadium. But oh, they're at, okay. But, but again, they're adding luxury boxes. Uh, again, the coaches' offices really state of the art for everything. And I saw mm-hmm. a. a, a a drawing of a drawing? The, I know you love that. Were you, did you, were you looking at a drawing while eating some pizza about a guru? I love the guru. The guru drawing or the drawing of the guru. But it looked really impressive. And, again, I know it's only a drawing, so, it's, uh, so it should look really good. But that, again, it's I just sketch. wonder. If that, Call it a sketch. Sketch, thank you. Thank you. A sketcher. Uh, I just wonder if that might be part of a grander plan for them. So we'll ask, we'll ask um, Jeremy about that coming up in a few minutes. I think that it's 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 got to be part of a grander plan. I mean, aren't, they're always think. It, it seems that if they're not threatening to leave, they're thinking about leaving. Boise right. State has wanted to get out of the Mountain West Conference for a while, um, and, and and it hasn't been. And part, we keep hearing the same thing. And I don't get this. I don't. I mean, I'm not questioning it. I just don't understand it. I'm not smart enough. But academically, Boise's not a great place to go. It doesn't align with a lot of with the Pac-12's academics. We hear that from our listeners. We've read that from insiders as well. Yes. I don't understand how that works, but it's not a really, sorry, it's not a very good school, I guess. Not good enough for the Pac-12. But, so you could have the nicest facilities in the world, but you know, academically, that's what that's what you got to focus on. Maybe not the stadium and the coaches' offices. Well, it could be. I mean, if that's I what's keeping them out, right? And maybe right. for the Big Twelve, maybe their academic standards or everything on their academic record would be enough for the Big Twelve. I don't know that, but it just seems like part of that. Here are a couple of numbers that I do have uh, for the outdoor practice field. They're going to upgrade, upgrade, and relocate it. That's six million dollars. Wow. Just for the north end zone at the stadium, it's going to cost $36 million. That's going to connect the concourse all the way around, premium seating op- option, 10 field-level suites, and a field-level club. They're going to have a club at the bottom where the teams, like the Dallas Cowboys have, you run past them to get on the field. Uh, they got all yeah. kinds of things going on there. And they now have $4 million-plus donation. And, again, the list goes on and on, but they are really getting a lot. Uh, again, a lot of it is for training facilities, practice gym, and all the other stuff. And for other sports, as I mentioned, basketball and Olympic sports, but mainly on football. And, and I know it's only a sketch, but it looks pretty nice from that sketch at least. So we'll have to see about that. But I am wondering about their future. And as you said, almost well, every year or two we have to get that story, hear that right. story and wonder. Right, because they're like, okay, well, we want a bit, you know, the television revenue. We want, we want, uh, we want two shares, and everyone else, you know, mm. split the rest. Or, or we're gonna leave, right. or we're gonna leave. But now it seems that, well, if you would have left, what you would have left, if somebody wanted you, I don't know that anyone wants Boise bad enough. Maybe not now. I don't, not the you, same giant I, killer I mean, that they were, right? Well, when, well, the last couple of years since. Uh, the, the, I don't, yeah, 
I mean, since I can't even tell you who the coach is since Brian Harson left. Yeah, but, but that's only been one year, right? That's only yeah. been this past year. Yeah, and I believe he came from Arkansas but State. The, I got to look it up. Anyway, the um, with the with Boise when the Big Twelve expanded. I mean, Boise was a kind of a household name, weren't they? Oh yeah, and they came the, off some uh, big wins. You know, going right, and they played on New Year's Day a few times. Right. But yet they went with Cincinnati. They went with Houston, which I don't really understand. But they went with Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. BYU. Yeah. And I can see BYU as a you know, it's a national audience. It's a school that has a heck of a lot of money, and so BYU makes sense. But, you know, if Boise State was, you know, who they used to be, maybe we're talking Boise State instead of Houston. Cincinnati's been, you know, they've been really good lately, too. Houston makes sense just because of the city and the state. I mean, it's a bigger market, for one thing. But Boise State's probably been a better team. Their coach, by the way, was 7-5 and five last year, 5-3 last year, and three in the conference. Andy Avalos is their uh, oh, second-year yeah. second head coach now, coming over from, I believe, Arkansas mm-hmm. State. No, you know they could be doing it just. I mean, if, if something comes up in the future, yeah. But I mean, it's also great just to improve your facilities uh, because you got to keep up with the Joneses. Maybe you're not going to have the NILs that everybody else has, uh, but you can, uh, you know, have great facilities and a barber shop and uh, food anytime you want it. I don't know. Hey, uh, coming up, the really, really what is it going to come down to is the whole NIL thing. And now you have, I know we got a traffic check coming up in a sec, but now that you have, you know, now, like, what is it, senators or people are trying to get involved with limiting the, you know, putting some kind of limit on um, on NILs. And it, it just seems the opposite of what they should be doing. You know, they just let this open and went, okay, you can get name, image, and likeness. You can profit off of your own name. Now they're going, oh, wait a minute. You're making too much money. You could literally go and there's there's um, there's high school players who are sell, making $5 million deals to play college football. You could literally just play your college career and then not play anymore. And there's a new twist. I know we have to go to break, but there's actually a new twist that is the first time this has happened in the year and two months or year and month and a half of the NIL. And schools aren't allowed to get involved, but other people are to entice players to go to their conference. This is a crazy deal. I'll tell you about that in a minute. We'll come up. That's uh, It's coming up here on National Underwear Day on ESPN <laughs> Honolulu. Jeremy Mouse from the Mountain West Wire coming up in about 10 minutes on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great Aloha Friday. Continue your thought now before we broke. Yeah, we're talking talking about NILs. We know that schools aren't allowed to get involved directly. Conferences, I guess, there was never anything said about a conference getting involved directly, but it's happening as we speak. It's the Pac-12, and it's really creative. To me, they're trying to save their conference because we know about the two defectors, and I know there was rumors about other schools. But here's a story that just got announced yesterday. Uh, It's a company called Tempest Ex Machina. They have a partnership with the Pac-12 
They're going to provide basketball and football players with a custom digital video after every game that includes their best plays and camera shots from various angles. The players are then instructed, it's involved with Twitter, to tweet their highlight reels out. Uh, Twitter's Amplify platform will put the video out there mm-hmm. with pre-roll advertising. Hmm. And according to ah. the Pac-12, the athlete will be paid based on the advertisement oh. that was sold. They will. Well, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, no, there's there nothing isn't. No. wrong with this at all. And this is what what schools might come out and do is they're just helping the individual because schools. One of the things they're doing uh, to get uh, in recruiting is, hey, if you come to our school, it, it will help you with how to market yourself. We'll, we'll we have an expert that will teach all of our student athletes how to market themselves and make money. Now that's kind of cool, but it, it, which is cool, and it's totally legal, and it makes sense, and it's it's a good thing. Yeah. But at the same time, people are getting they're 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 um they're taking a shortcut and just going. I got a car dealer who's going to give you five million dollars commit to play here for three years at least. Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's within the rule, but it's just a little different, very creative. Yeah. What they say there, as far as football players who are approved for this program, the example is, in exchange for posting two videos per week after a win or a loss, doesn't matter which is good, it shouldn't be after just a win, right, right. the football players who are, are approved for this will receive $1,250 as well as a potential percentage of the overall revenue uh, that was told to ESPN from a source. And they are the first conference, obviously, to provide athletes with a way to make money off their own highlights it's an interesting way it's creative i I like it but just different it's the first it's the first conference to do it but schools are already doing something like this i mean the schools aren't giving them um money so what they're going to do is uh, if for folks who don't know what pre-roll means when you go to watch a video uh or okay anytime you watch some kind of video on espn.com uh, like here, uh, on this article that Gary's referring to, uh, it, it has some video you can watch on it. I'm going to click on it. But before the video starts, I am going to get an add-on. Find you the perfect, some I don't know, some commercial for 15 seconds. So you have to watch a commercial before you're able to enjoy the video. And that's what they're paying you off of. So right. now you have to be approved for the program. It's not everybody gets it. What you, you mentioned you have to be approved for the program. So it's for stars only and positions only. They're not going, hey, here's some left guard highlights, <laughs> unfortunately, for the offensive linemen. But I like it. I like how people are, are looking for ways to get these guys paid. You know, I don't know that I agree with, and who was it? There was some talk. Was it the Penn State quarterback or somebody last week or the week before talking about, okay, great, now we're getting paid. Okay, now we want medical oh. for life and all of this other stuff. And it's like, I don't know. Are they, are, are they getting out of hand? Are they being too, are asking for really too much? I mean, where is this going to come from? It's going to come from you and me. It's going to come from the fans. It's whatever whatever monies they make or whatever they, they want as far as medical insurance for life or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's gonna it's gonna trickle down to the fans. How much how expensive are college football games going to be now? Right now, it's affordable, but with some of the stuff that the players now want, they they want to be professional football players. They just want to start their career. I mean, I can see how if you're like 
you got a $5 million NIL, it's like, you know, why would you leave to go to the NFL? <laughs> that part I actually like for basketball and football. I mean, I'm never going to criticize anybody for leaving early, except I think some like basketball players might not be ready, but it's up to them. But I think this will keep players in school more than the one and dones for basketball. There's no sense of urgency to leave right away to get a $3 million deal, get drafted in the second round, and be nowhere to be seen after that. You can stay in school and make money now. And for some people who are pretty good, make a significant amount. I, I do like this. By the way, the company, as I mentioned, Tempest Ex Machina, they're a sports technology startup. And this is in co- uh, conjunction with, again, a Twitter and the NIL marketplace. I forget which school it was, but one of the schools that was here for the Diamond Head last year, I was looking at their roster and coaching staff, they actually had an NIL, I forget the exact title, but somebody on their staff was in charge of NILs for the players. Now, again, they can't directly give them money, but they, I mean, that's pretty cool. If you're going to a school. Right, I just mentioned that. There's a lot of school, not a school. There's a lot of schools who have a consultant to help you out with how to get the most money you can for your name, image, and likeness. That's that's something that is more prevalent, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to, you'll be, if you don't have somebody like that at your school, it's like not having some, a nutritionalist. That's yeah, how important right. it's going to be. That's how important it's going to be. That was the first time I saw it. Now, I also see that several colleges, I know there's a few SEC schools, they're actually going to have a course on NILs. And they're going to have – one of them is a former NFL player. I think it's actually a current NFL player is going to teach it in the off season, But they're even going to that length uh, right. to make sure everybody's educated right. on that. I, and I, I think well, it's all great. I think it's great. I think that – you know what I'd like to see is – you know how you like – you have, uh, okay, uh, my name is uh, John Veneri. <laughs> John's on my paper in front of me. John Veneri, six foot two, 200 pounds, NIL deals worth $3 million with these four companies. <laughs> I want to see how much everyone's making. I'm really, it, it, it just fascinates me how college sports have changed overnight with the transfer portals, NIL, and everything else. It is, it is, and it's gone crazy. I just don't know what the legisl- what the senators and the the, uh, the the Senate can do about this, but they want to kind of limit it. And it's like, I don't know. You know, you guys, how do you limit that? It's like you should be able to make money off your name, image, and likeness, but not that much. Anyway, we can discuss this more later because we're going to talk some Mountain West Conference football coming up next with Jeremy Mouse on ESPN Honolulu. Hawaii football starting in about 22 days. There'll be a few Mountain West teams in action for week zero and everybody in action the week after. We're going to get into it and talk more Mountain West football as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu. He is the managing editor covering Mountain West sports for USA Today, part of the Mountain West Wire. Jeremy Mouse with us. Jeremy, I'll start with this. When you saw the coaches poll from the media day a few weeks ago in Las Vegas, did any of those predictions surprise you? Yeah, who gave Colorado State the first-place vote, man? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> That's, like, the weirdest and most out-there thing. And it wasn't their beat writer from Colorado, because he said, that wasn't me. So I'm curious <laughs> to who that was. <laughs> they don't make them public, but they should, I guess, huh? In that case, why not? It's like the SEC, <laughs> like, Vanderbilt getting the first-place vote just for the heck of it. When there's 150 right. votes, it's different. But, man, I don't – the CSU, they may surprise. But winning, that would be, like, a San Jose State turnaround from a couple years ago. 
Yeah, I, I mean, we know they have uh, a lot of the transfers and new coaching staff, and Hawaii played them in their last home game last late November as well, and Hawaii got one of their wins against them. I, I think that's just kind of interesting about what people perceive of them. Have they gotten any major talent additions to their team besides the transfers from Nevada, if they are major? Not from what I recall. Like, Clay Millen's never played before. He's a redshirt guy. Maybe minimal time in Nevada or basically next to nothing because they had Nate Cox behind um, Carson Strong. Get the receivers, but outside of the talent, the coaching staff, because we know they're going to be a wide open passing, and that can, you know, that is why when they brought in Rolovich and hopefully Timmy Ching, they'll bring out the wide open passing attack that can sort of catch teams off guard and aggressiveness, but nothing that stands out to say, hey, they could be a first place team. Like, my peak for them is probably maybe six wins. Like, they might get a bowl game. Because remember last year, with all the stuff going on with Steve Adagio, they were literally a bowl team with the mess up versus Utah State, the field goal attempt, getting blown out versus South Dakota State and Vanderbilt when they had leads. And, yeah, they were very close to keeping Adazi around, which would have been not fun for them. But So they have some talent there, but I, it just makes no sense first place. But I'm thinking, like, bowl teams, like, they're absolute ceiling for me, like, six and six. <laughs> now, be interesting to watch, at least, I think. We are probably a little biased here, but when we saw that UNLV was picked to finish ahead of Hawaii, that might have been a little surprising. You can be honest with us. We will be okay with it, but where did you pick Hawaii and UNLV in your, in your voting? I think I thought the UNLV at the bottom, just because what have they proven? I know Hawaii has a lot of turnover, and that's uh, – like them, those two five well, – actually, whew, maybe I put Nevada – no, I think I put Nevada last. I, my order would have been Hawaii, UNLV, Nevada. Nevada, just because – I know Ken Wilson coming over – defensive guy they lost everybody that's difficult you know we don't know who the quarterback is going to be they lost charles williams they just had an injury to a guy who could start just the other day in camp one of the guys uh, fighting for qb potential starters but it, hawaii it's a lot of unknown and uh, hawaii and be probably reasonably close but with what hawaii likes to do and what we've seen they can do what timmy ching has been around with coach norvell and everything we know he's going to want to pass he's going to want to put it out there it's, it's going to be pretty close I guess a slight edge to Hawaii just because you, you well, I don't know. I, it's a toss up because UNLV also had, what, six games with eight possess, eight scores or eight points or less, one possession games. But they ran, went through Doug Brumfield, all these Justin Rogers, random quarterbacks. I think I just put uh, UNLV slightly ahead, but it's literally very, very close. If UNLV has a quarterback and they can um, pick up off those mistakes and not being, unfortunately, for. Uh, perennial losers like they've been for a long time they don't know how to win and that's a little difference for why where North, with um son of excuse me uh, timmy ching has been around winning programs with nevada he's won himself out hawaii i know he's a young staff but it's going to be pretty close but and they have more of a proven quarterback in brandon draker there in hawaii but it's uh, i put you know be just slightly ahead just because it's everything's so new and all the players they lost with the coach graham uh, fiasco end of last year we're talking Mountain West football with Jeremy Mouth, the managing editor covering Mountain West football with the Mountain West Wire, part of USA Today Sports, as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu. Would it be a major, major surprise to see Hawaii finish around, well, I can't finish at 500, but be 6-7 and seven or even possibly be bowl eligible? I know people are thinking with the turnover and a new staff, that doesn't happen, but it's happened before. Do you think it's at all possible? Oh, it's always possible. College football, you like you never literally know. They get Vanderbilt at home, who's not very good. The West Division, like we said, Nevada's new coach, not going to be very good. UNLV's always struggled. They're not that great of a team typically. They're getting there. Let me pull up the rest of the schedule here. But, yeah, 
it, going to Michigan, very difficult. Obviously, that's nobody's kind of on that. But they get Wyoming at home, who's rebuilding a little bit. Who knows their quarterback situation is going to be? Duquesne, they're going to beat the Western Kentucky. Will be really tricky, but they lose Billy Zappi and their staff. They'll probably want to sling it. That'll be a shootout. But there, there's a possibility. There's a possibility that could be the case. Because what about San Jose State with Coach Brennan? Was 2020th Luke? In last year, I know they had injuries at certain position to quarterback and defense. Kate Hall wasn't what he was, but nothing would surprise me in college football. New Mexico State, they should win. They should beat Nevada. Colorado State's probably a toss-up type of game, in my opinion, leading the Rams a little bit, but no, that wouldn't surprise me. I think I have them right here. Like a, I think I'm at five wins. I'm looking at my projections here, but I could see them getting a couple others out there where the home games, they can win. Going to Hawaii is very difficult. Laramie to Honolulu, that's a trek, man. Even Utah State coming over. Yeah, they got Logan Bonner and all those sort of stuff with Coach uh, Blake Anderson, but it would be—I'll put this—would be mildly surprising. It's nowhere out of the possibility because again, new coach, new scheme. It's mostly, I think, am I correct? We're probably going to pass a lot, and that can uh, offset some teams that don't typically face that, or it's just something brand new, and they may be able to pick off a team here or there because the film isn't quite there yet. I took a lot away from what you said, but it's even more impressive when you basically picked Hawaii fourth with Nevada and UNLV behind them, so I like that. Five wins. Okay. Not too bad considering what other people might have said, even though some have also said five or six is possible. Jeremy, I want to go back to UNLV for a second because they have a quarterback who played last year, and we saw him here in high school, Cameron Friel. Do you think he should be their starter? What has your evaluation been with what you have seen of him in the past? It's, it's interesting because they played a lot of guys. He played quite well trying to remember what game because they had so many guys like one interesting thing about him and then the other guys like Justin Rogers went and got her Cam Frill I believe he played the San Diego State game where he came in and he played yes. quite well yes the thing that's that's what it is so yeah that's the game where he came and played well because it's like you get the adrenaline thing oh you come in at halftime or a guy's injured or you just get you just get the spot of the guy because he's not playing well mostly injuries with rebels but he played well in the Aztecs game and I specifically remember we're doing one of our preview shows and like I don't see him doing anything the week after, and he plummeted and didn't play well because nobody's seen him. And you come in off the bench like it's like those games. The guy comes out, gets hot, like with the old back of the Knicks. Jeremy Lin comes in and does amazing things for a while until people sort of figure him out. I don't think it's a figuring out thing. It's just that you go in and play. You're brushing. You're going to play. You're just out there. The hype. You're playing against Aztecs who are really good. And he came down to earth. Like I don't know who their starter's going to be, but he. If any of the guys they've had with Coach Arroyo there. Cameron Phil looked, looked up there pretty good. I got Doug Brumfield. I know a couple guys transferred and stuff, but Phil has a legit chance to start and be the guy. And if they stick with one quarterback, they could be a team. Again, they had some, five, six games where they lost by eight points or fewer. Like mm. Fresno State was close. Jamie, the state was close. And he was part of that for showing what this offense could, could be on this team. I know they got one of the best receivers at like Kyle Williams out there in the Mountain West. One of their tra- guys, you know, recruiter transfer. I think Coach Arroyo said he's not can't comics not like eligible one of their top recruits that's kind of a hit but if real's the guy I, I have confidence honestly it's all the guys we saw last year if they're just healthy whoever gets it not they, they should be improved and cameron frill should be at work like he's gonna be one of the guys competing could be the guy and it's if he's the guy he i think he'd do a pretty good job what we saw particularly if you come off the bench and play, light up aztecs off defense like what he did that's once he learns and figures it out and gets more study time and teammates and coaching like that's a that's a very good positive for them Jake Hayner is getting all the hype being the number one quarterback in the Mountain West. To you, Jeremy, who's the second best quarterback in the conference? Oh, second best. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, man, I'm trying to think. Got a lot of new guys out there. Um, Logan, well, no, actually it's not. Logan Bonner should be number two right there. I'm trying to think. I'm like, oh, yeah, Aggies have a guy who was pretty good last year as well. I put Logan Bonner just because what Blake Anderson has done. I know they don't have Devin Tompkins there, but they have uh, – 
I got coming in Cobbs from Maryland. We'll see what Mike Loxley was doing, even though it's a name we don't talk about too much around here. For what happened in Mexico, he actually put up some good offensive numbers for that scheme, and that's helpful. Hank Bakhbar is an interesting choice just right. because his offensive line has been so bad and beat up, and George Solani, their running game, hasn't been good the past couple of years, so his experience could put him there. And a dark horse could be your old buddy, Javon Cordier, over at, um, with San Jose State, just because of Coach Brennan's back and what they got a couple guys from Nevada. If they go back to more 2020 years, that could be a possibility where he could be could be could could show up and be like a dark horse to be a guy to light up with numbers. But number two, I think it's Bonner, pretty clear-cut. They had that good year last year. And we've got not only Hawaii playing three weeks from tomorrow, Wyoming at Illinois, Nevada, New Mexico State in week zero. Right around the corner, that is a good thing. Jeremy, it's always a good thing having you on our show. Thanks again for the time. We'll talk again in the future. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much. Jeremy Mao from the Mountain West Wire, part of USA Today Sports, talking Mountain West football. I like what he had to say about Hawaii. We'll expand on that a little bit when we come back with the sports animals on the Bobby Current Show on ESPN Honolulu. It's Aloha Friday with the sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show here. That was encouraging what Jeremy Mouse had to say. I'm sure he made a lot of friends that with him saying that he has Hawaii fourth in the West Division because we know the coaches overall picked Hawaii last. He has Nevada uh, down there as well. I can understand the UNLV and Hawaii being picked fifth or sixth, but Hawaii picked fourth. I think Stephen Sai, I think, believe said the same thing, but uh, everybody else, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of coaches apparently had Hawaii dead last to finish in their predictions, and that we know is basically irrelevant. But for Jeremy saying some encouraging things, not only about Hawaii with the unpredictability, but also about Nevada with the new coach and all their losses, even though uh, uh, Toa Tawa is back again, yeah. uh, they still will have a new coaching staff just like Hawaii, and maybe they'll go through some growing pain. So, again, the preseason polls are just that preseason, but I was really encouraged with what Jeremy had to say. Also, when we asked him about Cameron Friel at UNLV, he said he's got a chance to start. They've got the guy Brumfield, who did a decent job last year, but he remembered the game when he came in against San Diego State, and I remember it. It was a week before Hawaii played the Rebels, and it was a Friday night game where he just had a very good second half, and I believe went to overtime as well, so hopefully he'll get the nod there for Cameron Friel at UNLV, but it's going to be a tough job there. Marcus Arroyo is definitely one of those guys on the hot seat as well. (laughs) Man, it's I'm getting excited. I mean, we're you're 22 days away from kickoff against Vanderbilt, who somebody thought was the best team in the uh, you know the SEC. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that was again. Those are uh, yeah, those are preseason polls, <laughs> but you know that's that makes sense. You never really think about it because it's easy to talk about the negatives. And oh, Hawaii, they got a new coaching staff. It's a first-time head coach. Um, you know, all the players that left, how few returning guys. So it does make sense to say, well, nobody knows what to expect. But after two weeks of play, everyone will know what to expect. True. They, they don't – nine games into the season, people aren't going, I can't figure out this Hawaii team. Not saying they figure out, that's the wrong word. But they'll they'll have enough on film after a couple of games where things probably won't be a surprise. 
Yeah, and according to Jeremy, he was very surprised that somebody gave Colorado State a first-place vote. And he said it wasn't him and it wasn't Colorado State, but somebody did. And he thought that was crazy. He doesn't see good things for them. And that will really? be a team on our schedule. Yeah, that was interesting really? to hear Even what he had with to say. The, with, the, with the better recruiting class and all of the transfers from Nevada coming over to Colorado State, I, 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 I'm reading, and I think on his website, about how sporty they're going to be. I know that's kind of been that's kind of the exception basically with what he said or the opposite of what some other people have said. But his reasoning, I guess, is still a new coaching staff, and you do have a lot of transfer, so maybe it'll take time to put it all together. Here's something else I saw. I went to the Mountain West Connection earlier today. They've that's got part a re- of SB Nation. That one. Yes, and they've got okay. a report that's interesting. I've never heard this until five hours ago, whatever it was. San Diego State, again, this is just a report right now. San Diego State apparently had several players involved in sexual assault after a game last year in San Diego, and there's a big investigation going on. San allegedly. So allegedly. Allegedly, yes, yes, okay. yeah, allegedly. San Diego State is cooperating, and – Again, they don't know if it's significant players, but if it's as serious as the allegations are now, it could cost them several players. Again, it's not one or two, it just said several. But the talk at the Mountain West Connection was that this could hurt their season if they lose significant players for a significant amount of time. Again, right now, just an investigation, but that is not something that I've ever heard until today. And I'm not sure if it's making big news around the Mountain West, but it is out there. How it ends up, who knows? But that is something... To, for San Diego State, who most people have as a second-ranked uh, team in at least a mountain division behind Fresno State. Mm. And we, we don't wish any ill will or anything, but it might be something to keep our eyes on in case anything transpires with that. Okay. You know, the other thing I wanted to bring up, too, is for the Mountain, mountain West. We talk about Hawaii, of course, playing Vanderbilt three weeks from tomorrow. Wyoming is at Illinois that day. Utah State uh, is hosting UConn, and Nevada is at New Mexico State. I mean, New Mexico State, we know about. UConn, we heard enough about really, really bad football teams. But the week after, September 3rd, there's some really, really good matchups. Uh, and for the Mountain West teams I'm talking about, Boise State is at Oregon State. Colorado State is at Michigan. Utah State is at Alabama. Now you, all, you have Arizona at San Diego State. Now you also have some maybe bottom feeders. Um, Maine is at New Mexico West, I mean, uh, Texas State is at Nevada, Portland State at San Jose, and Idaho State at UNLV. But some interesting matchups there. And, of course, we know Hawaii will have Michigan right after Colorado State is done with them. All right. 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open for you as we get ready for Rainbow Warrior football. Utah State later on will also play Alabama. We know, you know, money games, and we know that Hawaii is going to hopefully be getting around 1.5, I believe, from the Michigan game. But at least some big-time matchup. i rather see that. i rather see, to me, i rather see a Hawaii-Michigan versus a Hawaii-Duquesne or a Hawaii-Portland State. Now, I know the result is this probably year? a win. Well, almost any year. I'm just saying generally. I, I, I know if you play these FCS schools, I just hate I, – I don't like them. I don't like them when the, when the top 20 teams play, and we talk about the SEC all the time. I, I just don't like that. I understand it's part of the deal, and it's better in a way for schools to have one of those easier games when you're getting beat up maybe in some other time. But as a fan, i rather see the big guys. Even though, let's say Hawaii, hopefully it won't be like the last time they went to Michigan because I know that wasn't close. And, it, you know, a lot of games are, haven't been with USC, UCLA last year. But I like those matchups. It's just it's, – to me, it's just a better – it's more prestigious to play one of those schools. I'm sorry about a Portland State or even a Duquesne. You don't get a lot out of beating those teams except yeah, the win, which I know means I something. Think you, 
I think as a team you get a lot out of those because you get guys into the you know you you can work on some things and you can um, you know maybe for some guys towards the end of the game if you're blowing them out more guys get playing time which is very important in years like this where you don't have a lot of starters but you have a lot of guys who have playing time returning for the University of Hawaii by playing Michigan it's good because you get paid that's the only thing I would rather see Hawaii play an Oregon State or an Arizona at this point of where we are than somebody like a Michigan or a Florida, you know, playing, going over to play in Florida. What did we do? What do we get out of that besides getting a bunch of players injured? Some money. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, and they said, we're never going to fly that far again to play (laughs) a team. Who said that? Jim Donovan? Yeah. Yeah, that, that didn't, that lasted about a year. But, um, you know, by playing Michigan, if we're getting blown out in the first quarter, why would I'd, I'd, I'd rather not see that. I'd rather see us beating a Duquesne and working on stuff and seeing guys we don't get to maybe see. In But, again, I would rather have, you know, our regular, our regular league games, right? I'd rather see yeah. that. Yeah. And then non-conference games, right, I'd rather see us play an Oregon State than a Duquesne. I'd rather us play, oh, I don't know, somebody pretty good from the Sun Belt than, you know, I'd rather see us play Marshall maybe. I don't know if they're any good. But somebody like, somebody, no FCS schools, all FBS schools. That's what I'd want to see. But I want to see us play equal guys, like, you know, yeah. like a Vanderbilt maybe. I don't know if we're equal or not to them. But we're not going to, you know, I'd rather see us play Vanderbilt or Mississippi State. I than, agree with that. You know, being like blown that, out by Michigan. All right. We got our top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories we're following here on ESPN Honolulu. High school football season has begun in Hawaii with uh, Farrington beating Wailua yesterday, and away we go with high school football. I'm glad we have a full season, fans being allowed basically back to normalcy, if that's such a thing these years with high school football here in Hawaii. Also, the uh, NFL is uh, season is underway. The Las Vegas Raiders, made they beat up on the Jacksonville Jaguars last night in the pro football Hall of Fame game. Uh, Mitchell Renz, by the way, from the Las Vegas Raiders report is going to join us later on this hour. But uh, football season is here, baby. I wonder, did we hear any reports about Doug Peterson, the Jaguars coach? Did he hang out at Urban Meyer's bar in Ohio and not go back with the team, or is that just an Urban Meyer deal? (laughs) That's just an Urban Meyer deal there, Gary. All right. And uh, so anyway, we're looking forward to, we've been talking Mountain West Conference football, University of Hawaii football. Remember, we'll be doing the show on Monday from the uh, UH football practice, uh, myself and Hunter Hughes. Henry. <laughs> keep calling, thinking he's Hunter Henry. I look at him. His name is, he's like, I know the guy. It's not, I keep calling, call It's like a, whenever we have John Venary on, we call him Mark. When you have Mark Venary on, we call him John. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so uh, lots of uh, University of Hawaii football content. Coming up here as we're 22 days away from kickoff on ESPN Honolulu. We haven't talked much about, uh, probably because we don't have a lot of access to the head coach for the University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine Volleyball, but we do, you know, we should be excited. We've only got, I believe, one senior on the team this year, but uh, this should be another great year. 
for the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team. I believe they just started. They just started practice. Like I think yesterday, or they know they had a media day, so practice might start in a day or two. But it's right around now, and they'll start off on the road for the first time in a while in that Texas A&M tournament. Uh, first match will be, in fact, three weeks from today at 6 a.m. Hawaii time. They've got Texas A&M, Pittsburgh, and uh, San Diego, I believe, in that tournament. That's going to be a tough one, and it will help their strength of schedule and RPI, but they've got a lot of talent back from last year. They have some major losses. Brooke Van Sickle is gone, but Amber Igedi is back, and that's always a good thing, and there's so many good yeah. players left. But uh, it's great that they're, they're going to be talented with all the players back. And remember last year, they weren't allowed to have full capacity I don't think at all during their season. That didn't start till mid or late December. So even when fans were allowed, it was in like 50% capacity. It just wasn't the same. And we had Braylon Akana on our show last week, and she even mentioned that this will be the first time in her career she'll be able to play in a full a full crowd of fans, full a limit of fans. Uh, well, no limits, I should say. So that's going to be great. And we know how talented they are, usually an NCAA team. Hopefully they can go far. But they have got some major, major talent on this team. And uh, on the road the first week, but back home with a tournament Labor Day weekend. UCLA usually here around Labor Day this year no exception okay where are we with where are we with ticket sales for football and Wahine volleyball are season tickets on sale are individual tickets on sale Do, where are we I haven't heard about uh, individual tickets, but season tickets went on sale last week for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. We were talking to several players on not only our show, but other shows here during the uh -huh. week. So they're on sale. Individual tickets, not yet. Uh, for football, I'm not sure if individual tickets have been on sale, but they actually had the renewals first. They go through the renewals of season ticket holders, then new season ticket holders, then individual game tickets. So we're not at season ticket. We're not season tickets are not on sale for football yet. They're going through the renewal process, correct? The renewal process. It might have ended by now, but two weeks ago it was the renewal process still in in, in effect, and it got extended a little bit too. The, the oh, cutoff okay. date for that. I'm sure next week. By next week, we'll be starting with the uh, season ticket sales. I, I I might have missed an email somewhere. I apologize. And I want to point this out because I know a few listeners have texted us over the last week or two, and I saw some people tweeting about it recently. Some people said they renewed their season tickets, but they haven't gotten them yet. Uh, what some people had pointed out when they're on the, when they get season tickets, usually they get the first game or the whole, the whole season, but they get it about a week to two weeks before the first home game. So if you didn't get your season tickets in the mail yet and you already renewed them, don't think that something's wrong. They, they don't get sent out this early, if that sounds right. Yeah, you just have to remember, you're dealing with the state. <laughs> so negative. But, okay, can't you – do you have to get paper tickets? Can't they just send you a, a text and a link? You know, for season tickets, I'm not sure how it works, actually. You're, you're right. I, I, you know, with, with everything last year at T.C. Ching, it was so different. I'm not sure how that works now. But in the past, it was two years ago or three years ago, I guess, the last time they had full capacity allowed at Aloha Stadium, it was paper tickets. Mm -hmm. um, you can print them at home if you want, but the season ticket holders got mailed those tickets. People put their pictures on Facebook and Twitter all the time about those. I don't know because last year was so different with season tickets. Because uh, I know that last year, like all of our tickets were electronic. They were all electronic tickets. I would you, think you. I think you. I mean, I, I would. I can see how if you have the choice, that's cool. Like, hey, you send me a link, but you know what? I don't. Want, I want a paper ticket because I don't know how to right. download it. Or the process is too confusing for some people that you just that you just see. I would hate for, and this is what happened. This is why attendance maybe wasn't a little better 
it was because they went, what, you have to download? First of all, it was to download an app to go on campus. That Hundreds of people went, ah, humbug, never mind, I'm going to stay home. They, they, other people, when you say the word parking, oh, oh parking, I'm going to guess that parking's not going to be good. Too much humbug, I'm not going to go. So we found out the parking was great. The parking situation, the way it was handled at the University of Hawaii, turned out great. Uh, it's pretty easy to download an app, get some help from a teenager. Uh, and you know what? Nowadays, get a help from an eight-year-old, and they can help <laughs> you go through that. <laughs> but I think also last year the fact that they weren't allowed to get go to games until what two or three home games left, as far as full capacity. That because it started off late. I think that right. all combined with everything like that. I remember last year on fans, vo- the fans' voice, somebody called up after a football game and said they're not going on campus. It's too hard to get there. It's impossible to get there. And I mentioned the bus, Uber, bicycle, cars. I mean, it was actually had more access than Aloha Stadium because you could ride your bicycle up there and park it if you want. And buses went right there, which is the same as Aloha Stadium. But it's not difficult to get there. And it's actually, even though if you get 9,000 fans, which we hope they do, it's going to take you a few minutes to get out of the parking garage. To me, that's going to be a lot faster than getting out of Aloha Stadium with 30,000 or 35,000. Remember leaving the Pro Bowl or when Hawaii had big crowds for their football game? It, it's not quick to get out of that. It's just the way sports are. You go to a sold-out event at almost any venue in the country, and it takes time to get out. So I'm hoping people don't complain when there's 9,000 there <laughs> for hopefully every game that, hey, it took me 20 minutes to get out. I've been in parking lots in the mainland where it takes an hour or more at some venues. It does. And That's so horrible. It is. It is. But 20 I minutes is not going to be bad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be personally if you said, hey, you can go to this game, but it's going to take you an hour to get out of the parking lot. I might, I might think twice about that. It's depressing. It is kind of tough. I, I usually just wait it out instead of trying to beat everybody. You, you know what I would do is I would just go. I would just be like, okay, um, I take a, I take, I park my car, I don't know, it Ward or something, and then take an Uber from there to the game, and when you're done, you know, kind of walk out to Dole Street and get an Uber and go back to your car. I did if, that for the Clippers If you're worried game. about it, it seems like it's it's way too much. Look, if you have a super-packed Stan Sheriff Center arena, say the um, uh, Hawaii men's volleyball is playing Long Beach State and you have 9,000 in, in the arena. Which happens. It's the same, it's the same crowd. Yep. Now, this is not even 9,000 because the students aren't getting in their cars to go to the parking lot. 1,000 people... <laughs> are either, you know, they're, they're basically a 1,000 people are going to be students who are going to walk back up to the dorms. Right. That's what you're, you know, that's, that's, that's an entire end zone filled with students. So those guys don't count when you're talking about traffic. You're talking about a, 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 a big game at the Stan Sheriff Center. It's a very small crowd still, and there's plenty of parking. Yeah, there, there is, and again, it does take a little bit of time, but I hope people aren't discouraged but, by that. But what's a little bit of time? 20 minutes. About, if, if I, when I leave a volleyball match, let's say, because right. I leave, I mean, for basketball, I'm always staying there. When I leave a volleyball match, like the Big West Championship when Hawaii defeated Long Beach State, I love the sound of that, and there were close to 9,000 fans there. I waited 5, 10 minutes, got in my car, and it probably took me 10 minutes to get out. The night before yeah. the semifinals, I left right away, and it might have taken me 15 minutes. Maybe 20. It wasn't that long. 
but you're not going yeah. right out. It's not going to be where, like, when you go to the mall and you're just going to leave or a movie and you get right in your car and leave. That doesn't happen at sporting events, so it's not the worst <laughs> thing. I, again, an hour is bad. 15, 20 minutes is not that bad. And you're right next to the freeway. Right. It's actually pretty convenient. But that's what's ir- a little bit irritating, and I-, I can't say that I've never done this, but you're at the Stan Sheriff Center. There's 4,000 people in the stands. Not the biggest crowd in the world. You're watching men's basketball. There's 4,000 people there, and you, and uh, Hawaii's uh, winning. Even if it's not even that, it's a blowout. Like somebody's winning by like four points, but there's a minute and a half left. I, people start leaving, and it's like Every really. Game. Oh my gosh, He's, it's if I'm a player because you notice that stuff. Don't say the players don't notice that stuff because they do. You're sitting on the bench or you're during a timeout and you're looking up and it's like. Wow, we're in the heat of the battle here. Where's our support? Oh, they don't want to miss traffic. That's more important than rooting on the team. I don't want to shame anybody because I think I've probably done that one or two times. But that's kind of that's kind of how we do in Hawaii. And you know what? I don't even want to say in Hawaii. There's other places where they do that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just, for some reason, the other day I was thinking about my uncle took me to a Mets game when I was a kid. And he said, we're going to leave in this eighth inning. And I was it was like somebody just died. You, you go to a baseball game, and you're, I was like eight, nine years old, and you're going to leave early? I just couldn't get over that concept. My brother in L.A. did that to me at a Lakers game, and I was furious. We made a compromise. We'll sit to an, we'll go to another seat near an exit. We can't leave early. <laughs> My philosophy is I don't go to a sporting event so I can beat traffic. I go to a sporting event to soak in everything, and if it means being there 20 minutes, and I know that's me, I'll accept that, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, but 20 minutes isn't long, and 20 minutes is – you know what? 20 minutes is considered long for the wait. I mean, like you said, it might be five minutes. Sometimes you're trying to, like, okay, first of all, you have to back into your stall. Back into your stall, because if you're trying to back out, nobody's going to let you cut in. Yeah. You're pointing to yourself. Well, I, I you won't let somebody no, in? No, no, no. I, I, oh, I, don't, I don't back in. I don't back you're in. You're one of those guys. I don't back in because it's, I don't want to say it's too hard, but it's, uh, I feel more confident going straight in instead of backing in. Well, back in, back in, and then when you, you pull forward, you can see the guy. Yeah. And then you can even you can kind of elbow your way to the trough, if you will, into the line of uh, into the lane of traffic there if you're backed in. That's my advice. Right, right. But, I, I, again, I, I don't really try to beat the traffic. But, I, again, I don't think it's that bad there. Now, somebody texted an interesting text. They, they, they're concerned about the lack of tailgating in the parking garage. And, you know, that's unfortunate. We still oh. hope that there will be something going on in the Stan Sheriff Center, like for the uh, Alo- Island Day back in April for the spring game. We haven't heard anything official that's yet. That's not tailgating, though. That's uh, eating. It's not. It's, that, no. it's the next best we're gonna, thing. We're, we're going to have a big tailgate party right off campus. Well, uh, that's what the texter said. Oh, for us. Well, for everybody. Okay, Everyone's the texter gonna be said. Invited. We're going to have food trucks, and we're going to have entertainment, and we're going to have all kinds of great stuff right there in the uh, varsity area. So if you want to go to a tailgate-type party um, with, you know, lots of, uh, you know, libations and plate lunch kind stuff, we got you handled. We we'll, we'll announce more details as we get closer. The texter who talked about the you know, tailgating also said he feels sorry for the residents who live in the area. Somebody else texted in. Uh, I didn't wait, go. Wait, be- wait, 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 wait. Why? I guess he's under the impression that people will, is because you can't tailgate or have fun in the garage, they'll park along the streets near the stadium on your campus, I should say, and <laughs> tailgate there. 
You're not gonna t- you're gonna tailgate on University Avenue? Well, maybe not on University, but maybe one of the side streets. That's what he's saying. I'm not saying people are, okay, are going to do that. Ta- what do you what what do you, what do you when you say tailgate? What do you mean? I think we're talking about two different things. What are you talking about? I, it's not me. It's one of the textures. That I what are you have. talking about? What am I talking about? Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about what, what you, the texture is. Tailgating is what when you say tailgate. Oh. I'm saying I don't think anyone's tailgating on University Avenue, and you're thinking they're going to party. They're going to tailgate in the streets. To me, tailgating is you're breaking out your grill, you're cooking, you're throwing the football around, you're sitting down and eating, you're drinking beer. <laughs> Nobody's going to pull out a grill on the side of University Avenue and, and light up a fire because then the police will come. I think they'll be there anyway. Uh, I don't think mm. they'll barbecue or grill, but maybe just you know hang out on the side and drink. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I'm just saying this is what somebody's suggesting. We I didn't see any of that last year. I don't know if that'll exist this year either. You know the and I think that's a that's a big deal because a lot of people, and I know this for a fact, and you know this, enjoyed going to Aloha Stadium to tailgate. The football game was almost secondary. Yes. It was the tailgate before, and then the, and then when they started saying, hey, you can't go back and tailgate after, because that's what some people do after the game, or they go out in the third quarter, oh, yeah. it's a blowout. They go out, and they, and they just start, uh, you know, partying again. And uh, they did away with the after-game tailgate, but I think that's what that's what's going to hurt this whole process the most, is that, um, is that the people can't tailgate because right. they just can't enjoy the game if that's not a part of the experience, and I get that. And that's why a lot of people just want to stay home, and that's why the term home gating came up. A lot of people are just going to home gate. There's no way around that right now. Again, right. again, I didn't think they have anything at the stand sheriff that won't be quite the same, but there's no way around that right now. I'm hoping that doesn't make it where we're not going to get 9,000 because of that reason or reason. But there are going to be people that feel that way. There's no there's no doubt about that. I hope it's not a major amount which causes the stadium not to be full on Saturdays. Tanner Hayworth, uh, just t- jump in here, Tanner. you got a pretty good comment. Well, because I am born and raised from Manoa Valley, I don't think I've ever really heard a lot of complaints from Manoa residents. I mean, I can't really speak for the people from the text because they don't say explicitly where they're from. I haven't heard much complaints from Manoa residents rather than people talking for them. (laughs) And I will say in that area, true, they'll have to be parking in the streets. Like, But what's the difference from that than a regular day of the University of Hawaii? Because those streets are already, already packed every single day from August to May. That's right. Back by the dorms, right, as you're going down Dole Street, and you know, the little connection to Kaimuki. Yeah. The, uh, it's like those the students have those all. It's like George Costanza. When you find your parking stall over there, you don't want to touch your car because you're going to give it up. All right, well, uh, we got to get another traffic update here on ESPN Honolulu on this Aloha Friday. Uh, texts and phone calls are uh, are welcome at 808-296-1420, and we'll be right back. Last night I dreamt I was returning, and my heart called out to you, but I fear you won't feel like I left you. Let's go to the text line, Zephyr Insurance <laughs> text line. Thank you very much. Got a text here. This is uh, this is from our friend Justin. Uh, he says, great show, Gary. Chris, you could do better. 
and then it says, I missed it, but why are there still only 9,000 seats? We're at 9,000 seats because of the um, those construction materials, right? Was that the deal? Yes, they weren't going to be able to, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 808-296-1420, and uh, it says, Chris, going to UH Games at UH is the best-kept secret. Well, that's not a good thing. Uh, fun, entertaining games, and parking is super easy. Took Kupuna to the games last year, and it was easy for them. And the crowd is great. I love it. You know, I w- in my own little fantasy world, I wish that we could just stay on campus and play in front of 9,000 people and have that great stadium. With It's kind of cool. They have luxury boxes there, and they've got a very nice the, – the press box. The press box is twice as big, it seems, as the press boxes at Aloha Stadium for yes. the media. Uh, you know, bathrooms are accessible, which is important for old people like us. I mean, everything is great. It's just we can't have a 9,000 seat. In my world, 9,000 seats, that's plenty. Come on. Well, if it's a I fantasy it. world, I'm going to have 35,000 seats on campus, build it up, and have a, maybe a double, couple more levels of parking. I know that's a big fantasy that probably won't happen, but with on free, campus, with, we agree it was great. Everything with about free it. Beer, free beer. With free beer. <laughs> free iced tea. Not that I drink. I don't drink. I don't like to. For I don't like to have beer, you know, at games or, you know, in places, because you have to end up driving afterwards. So I don't. But for other people who enjoy it, free beer. <laughs> Thank we you do, very much. We do have and a phone cor- call. All right, Mike is on the line. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning. Hey, Gary. The yeah. two worst of all time leaving early. Kirk Gibson. <laughs> And that Miami Heat when Ray Allen hit that right. shot. Right. I remember I was thinking about that. I, I went to a basketball game at, at Nebraska where Michigan State, who had really good players, were playing. Half the, well, a lot of Nebraska fans left, and the game ended up going to overtime. Nebraska was down by like eight with three minutes left, and everybody around me left. And a few of them came running back in during the overtime, but I just couldn't get over that. I mean, it was the regular season game, but it was a big matchup against a top-20 team, and people left early for a college basketball game and ended up they, – they were they were hurting themselves – well, not hurting themselves. They ended up missing a great finish and a great win for Nebraska, but they turned things around. I just don't get that. But people will really feel like that. In L.A., of course, they're famous for leaving early. And there was video with the Miami uh, Heat fans trying to get back in the arena – and the doors were they locked, and people in. weren't letting them back yeah. in when Ray Allen hit that shot for Miami. They, they didn't um, lock Gray. them out. It was probably just when the door closes, it locks. That's what I'm yeah, guessing yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. If you're I right, leave but, the Stan yeah. Sheriff Center, uh, you know, if somebody leaves the Stan Sheriff Center because you want to go have a smoke or something outside, well, if you the door closes behind you, you're locked out. But there were guards inside who wouldn't. You're right about what you yeah. just said. There were guards inside who wouldn't allowed. let them in in Miami. Yeah, but because are they ticket holders? You don't know. That's Why would you put yourself through that? Good point. Hey, Mike, thanks All for right. calling, brother. Have a great hey, uh, care, weekend. Bye. Happy Aloha Friday. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. All right, man. UH needs to, needs to have areas on campus, designated eating areas, tented, music, food available, hopefully. I would think, aren't they? Where I, I, I'm not in the, uh, the the these meetings that they have, but I would think if you're on the marketing team, you're going to have something on campus. Well, he's talking about football games. We know there's going to be the food trucks there, so they will have food. As far as music during the game, I don't know what he means by that. No, what he means is what he means is, hey, I can get on campus a little early, sit down and eat under you know under a tent, and maybe there's some music going on. Uh, you know, something. Stan Sheriff Center. Yeah, but 
it's food and music if they are able to open it up and have what if they you had want on something Island besides Day. chicken fingers. Well, they had more than that. There wasn't just one concession stand, was it? No, but I don't know that. I don't know that you convince somebody of the ta- of the college football tailgate experience by going, "Hey, the stand sheriff's open. You can have a hamburger, some nachos, or some chicken fingers." It's not going to be a typical tailgate experience. I think everybody should realize that. Right, but I, well, why not? Why not have a big on-campus party? Why not have a party on the one of the the fields there, or on the concourse? At, I don't know. It's somewhere by the baseball stadium. Why not? With free beer. Or just, uh, you know, yeah. Okay, uh, Chris, nobody will tailgate on University Avenue and light a fire because the police will come. That's what I said. Gary, I think they will be there anyway. That's a good one. As far as the cops being on campus for a football game. Gotcha. It's uh, 826. <laughs> this is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, football season is here. We got to watch the Las Vegas Raiders play the Jacksonville Jaguars last night. Uh, we saw the number one pick in the draft, Trayvon Walker, uh, have a pretty successful night. I don't know if you saw this. The first play of the game, he got called for a penalty, and he it was like he almost sacked the quarterback, but he didn't hit the quarterback in the head. Or I, I, I found that I found that so interesting, and they didn't get into it. I think because the game just got underway. But I thought that was a questionable call. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, re- I don't remember seeing it. I, I, I did watch it, but I remember reading about it this uh, last night, and it was saying it was a late hit, I believe, if I got it right for Trayvon oh, Walker. Oh, holy moly. Really? That was not a late hit? Ah. No, it was a rough, roughing the passer was, oh, was the roughing call. The- right. Roughing the passer was the call. And that's what I what I questioned is, what? how did he rough the passer? Maybe maybe he hit him high and somebody else hit him. No, he didn't hit him with the head. Maybe okay. he his his hand his forearm came across uh, Jake Luton's chest. Somebody was around the guy's feet. So maybe since somebody had him low and he hit him high, I, I guess we can ask Mitchell Renz about it in a few minutes. He'll probably have the exact call and why. All right, he's going to join us coming up in a second. But uh, it was great to see uh, football underway. By the way, Myron Tongavailoa, Amosa. Uh, I did see him play in the end of the first half is when I noticed him playing in the game. Now, I saw him throughout the game on the punt team, number 69. Otherwise, I didn't see him besides special teams in the the limited amount I watched through the third quarter. But he was on the, you know, as a, as a defensive uh, tackle. But he was on, in on, the, uh, on, the, on the punt team. But, they have one um, tackle. Oh, really? That's great. Yes, yes. But he, but the knock on Myron and why he did, because he did not get drafted, correct? I don't believe he was, no. Okay, so he, the reason why, because he was really good at Notre Dame. Yes. Because he's a tweener. He's a tweener. But, I mean, looking at him on the football field with everybody else, he looked like an NFL football player. He didn't look like a tweener to me. I thought he'd be. I thought he was going to get drafted for one. He's listed at six two, but I thought he had the size and a great, maybe not a great career, but a good enough career to get in in the draft. Whether it was in the first two days or not, I thought he would definitely get drafted at some point. Again, right now, just the main thing is to make the team. Hopefully, I'll be a mainstay and get that second contract to really cash in. Right on, right on. Uh, somebody texted in about the uh, Trayvon Henderson. He said he he borderline clothesline the Raiders. Not the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders quarterback. Oh, I was saying Jake Luton. Sorry, wrong quarterback. He didn't tackle his own quarterback. That was uh, Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham, I guess, yeah. Really? Clothesline? Okay. That, that must have been it. That must have been it, and I just didn't see it um, very correctly. 
Hey, I wanted to mention this. Coming up on Tuesday, we're doing something very, very special. I don't know if you've ever been to Growler, Hawaii. Some people just call it Growlers. They're in Kapahulu. And we're going to have uh, our, we're bringing, we're, we've come up with a really big road show. Everybody live in person, on location, Kanoa Leahy and Josh Pacheco and myself, you're going to be in Las Vegas for a couple of days on assignment. But Charlie Wade is going to join us on location, Scotty Scott, uh, Coach Nagamine. We've got uh, Derek Lowe is going to come down, right? Uh, yes. A couple of members of the 92 Rainbow Warrior football team. All live on location. Come on down and say hi. We've got prizes to give away, too. It's going to be good fun. It's this Tuesday from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And, by the way, they will have Heineken, Heineken Light, Dos Equis, Amber, and Lager on special. So we'll see you at Growler Hawaii Tuesday at 3 o'clock for the really big road show from ESPN Honolulu. Sports Animals, Gary Dickman and Chris Hart for the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN. Honolulu Raiders fans, make sure you're listening. We have a lot of them here in Hawaii, probably pretty happy after last night. And right now we are joined by the Raiders Report host at Chat Sports that you can check out on YouTube. Very, very popular show. Mitchell Wren's back on the show. Mitchell, Raiders are pretty uh, good in Hall of Fame games now, undefeated at 4-0. and I know Raiders fans would wish they could translate that, transition that into the regular season, but what was your assessment of last night's performance? I was impressed by Josh McDaniels, head coach. I was impressed by Patrick Graham's running a whole bunch of different defensive schemes but that's what you come to expect right that's kind of what the patriot way has been and even though this was a preseason game you saw a lot of raiders starters out there i was really impressed by josh jacobs <clears throat> the offensive line i thought played well minus brandon parker they came out they came out firing and i think if you're a raider fan you have to be pretty excited because the defense pitched a shutout there in the first half you mentioned Josh Jacobs, and I find that interesting. I know he had, I believe, five carries for about 30 yards, but I've read two articles from last night's game saying that he could be in trouble because of what Zamir White did last night, the rookie running back out of Georgia. It looked like he had a good game with 11 carries and 52 yards. Is that even a, a concern for the Ra- for Raiders fans to think that Josh Jacobs might be moved down on the depth chart? I don't really think Josh is going to get bumped down. He's the starting running back, and I think anybody that thinks otherwise um, – that that's a very intelligent thing to believe. I understand Zamir was drafted high out of Georgia. They like him a lot. 11 carries, over 50 yards last night, three grabs, 23 through the air. But I thought Josh was looked really, really good. He had a fresh leg. He was plowing people over. He also added 14 receiving yards. So for me, I understand there's a lot of discussion around it because the fifth-year option got declined. But as far as I'm concerned, You're going to see a running back by committee. Josh is going to lead the way. You're going to see a little bit of sprinkles in there from Zamir White, Brandon Bolden, Kenyon Drake. That's always been the way that you see a lot of these offenses run by McDaniels in the past. They go with that running back by committee. But as far as I'm concerned, for fantasy football people out there, for Raider fans, Josh is going to be the main back. But I don't really think having all those horses in the stable is a bad thing by any means. I mean, still early in camp, of course, and it's only one of four preseason games, but who do you think would be the number two guys, at Kenyon Drake or Zamir White? If you're just looking at overall touches, I'll probably put my money on Zamir White in terms of just overall work, but that can also totally change based on game scripts because if the Raiders are winning, then I do think you're going to see a lot more of Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. If the Raiders, for 
whatever reason, are losing in a game, then you could see a little bit more of Kenyon Drake and Brandon Bolden. Mitchell Wren from the uh, Raiders Report at Chat Sports, part of YouTube. You can check it out. Very popular, as we said. You can also follow Mitchell on Twitter at MitchellWrens365 as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu. And on your Twitter page yesterday, when you talk about last night's game, you have the biggest winner, biggest loser. You have Alex Leatherwood as the biggest winner. And Brandon Parker, you weren't too happy about uh, at one point saying pull him out of the game. Talk about those two offensive linemen. Well, a lot of the Raiders beat writers out there were like, ah, oh, Brandon Parker's job to lose it right tackle. Alex Leatherwood is clearly behind. And then you saw some reports coming out there that the rookie from Ohio State, Sarah Munford, was also getting snaps over Leatherwood. Then you come out, they trot out onto the field. It's Parker at left tackle, which is going to be Colt Miller's spot. And then Alex Leatherwood over at the right tackle line. And Honestly, I thought he played well. I was impressed by Lester Cotton. I was impressed by Andre James. The whole right side of the Raiders' offensive line really stepped up, and they were creating running lanes. They were giving Jared Stidham some time to throw. But in terms of Brandon Parker, I mean, he played in 16 snaps, right? Like 16 snaps he allowed. Some people will say two sacks. Some people will say three. But he also allowed three pressures. So essentially 50% of the time, the quarterback was either getting sacked or pressured when he was on the field. I'm all here for Derek Carr, but if he's out there, if Carr is calling hike and Brandon Parker is your guy, that's literally like driving a car without the car insurance. I just do not want to see. With Josh McDaniel there, are we going to see an entirely different offense or playbook compared to last year? I hope so. <laughs> you know, for the fact of Gruden to me was a little bit old school, a little bit old fashioned, and one of the reasons why I was excited about McDaniel was like last season. New England's offense ranked seventh in the red zone. I do want to see the Raiders be a little bit better in their red zone situations. But last night, I thought that all the quarterbacks, maybe minus Nick Mullins, did a pretty good job. Like Stidham was, I believe he was uh, 9 of 16 for 90-something yards. He had a rushing touchdown. Mullins was 8 of 11 for 72. Chase Garbers, the UDFA from Cal, he was 3 of 5 for 40 yards. But what they did was they made everything very easy on their quarterback situation. And they took a lot of pressure off the line by simply doing a lot of screens. They were doing a lot of checkdowns for the running backs. And that's what I'd like to see. So I thought they did what they needed to do to execute and get first down. I know it's late in his career, I guess, now, but Amir Abdullah, when he was at Nebraska, I thought he was a great running back, did okay for Detroit on some pretty bad teams. What do you envision for him this year? I know he did have a touchdown last night, but is, is he part of their offensive schemes for this year? Unfortunately, I don't see that being into the equation. He did have two carries, seven yards, and a touchdown. And I'm a fan of Amir Abdullah. I thought he was a big fan of that. The reason why he was ultimately brought into the Raiders is because Raiders' new running back coach, Kennedy Palomalu, has worked with Amir from their times back with the Minnesota Vikings. So you saw somebody who was like, all right, might be able to fit a scheme, might be able to fit in a rotation. He might be a practice squad guy, but for me, I think the Raiders end up keeping five running backs, which is Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden, Samir White, and then you're going to keep the fullback and Jacob Johnson as well. So good talent, a lot of depth, and I just don't think I'm going to quite get it. It is obvious that Devontae Adams is the number one wide receiver. I understand it's a pretty, much, pretty big battle for number two. Who do you see as being the second wide receiver for this offense? Well, you got Hunter Renfro in the slot, and then there is, I would say, a four-way between Keelan Cole, Demarcus Robinson, Tyron Johnson, 
and then Matt Collins. And, you know, yesterday Johnson led the way with the most targets, five targets, two catches, 39 yards. Collins didn't do much. He had one catch for minus one. Demarcus Robinson had two catches for 17. And Keelan Cole did get a nasty hit. He's okay, but he had one catch for 31. It's always hard to evaluate the receiver talent because, again, it's not Derek throwing them the football. But I think the biggest takeaway that I had was the first three wide receivers that trot him out there on the field were Keelan Cole, were Tyron Johnson, and it was Matt Collins. And plus, Johnson and Matt Collins were playing on special teams, which actually gives them a little bit of a upper hand over somebody like Robinson. I wanted to see Johnson come down with like a 40-yard touchdown. He did drop one, which was a little bit frustrating because his role, if he makes the team, is going to try to be taking that top off the offense. And if you can't be relied upon on making that big play, that's going to be a little bit frustrating. But personally, I think right now DeMarcus Robinson, if they were to only keep five receivers, would be the odd man out. On the defensive side, you got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. I know they didn't play last night. Has Josh McDaniel said if any of the starters are going to play in the next preseason game or in a couple of weeks in any preseason? So, for the most part, the Raiders don't release inactives. They've always kind of done that during the preseason. And one of the things that I respect about Josh McDaniel is, you know, even if it's a preseason game, they're going to try to treat it like it's a real game. They're not going to give their opponents an extra – advantage if you will and yesterday's game I think showed how much that game meant to McDaniels where McDaniels grew up in Canton he played at high school football at the stadium his dad is like a legendary high school football coach there as well so he went out there prepared in terms of the defensive side of the football I don't have 100% uh, all the answers in terms of who's going to play and who's not going to play but I was impressed from top to bottom first string second string third string I thought they all looked really well what is coming up on the Raiders report on Chat Sports on YouTube? Well, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm, uh, I'm a little hungover from yesterday. We did a hell of a show. <laughs> we were live for over four hours, and we had uh, a lot of celebrations, had a really good time. The Raiders report, though, I just released the video, my overreactions video. Tomorrow will be some Raiders winners and losers from the game. I'll probably talk about some news and rumors on Sunday because over at the Raiders report on YouTube, video every single day for the past three years and we're going to keep that content going it's a good thing there's only one game a week i guess and hopefully you'll have that opportunity at the raiders hopefully we'll keep winning a lot of raiders fans looking forward to another great season mitchell thanks again we'll talk again as we get closer to the season uh, starting in september i appreciate it i was waiting for a curtis bolton question because the raiders just signed him and he's from honolulu hawaii so he's a he's a linebacker he'll be fighting you guys can give me some curtis bolton questions next time Okay, we'll do that for sure. Thanks, Mitchell. Thanks, guys. Mitchell Wren, the Raiders report host on Chat Sports. You can check mm-hmm. it out on YouTube. Joining us on ESPN Honolulu. Immediately, everyone is going to Google right now, and he said Curtis Bolton. Maybe it was somebody who was born in Hawaii. Yeah, I don't know that name, but I'm going to Google it too. Bolton. Somebody's going to text us. Uh, Curtis, he's a rookie linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. I have him here for the Raiders, <laughs> and he was okay. born here, 26 years old, but he went to high school in California. Oh, okay. And Oklahoma well, after. Well, we do what we do with Bette Midler and everybody else. <laughs> Hawaii's own Curtis Bolton, the Las Vegas Raiders. Local boy, Curtis Bolton, uh, today on the news. Local boy. All right. Hey, uh, check it out. The Department of Health. 
wants to help reduce falls and fall-related injuries amongst our Kapuna with three easy steps. In fact, I've got four. Review your medications and get an eye exam annually. Get a personal electronic safety device. Uh, remove fall hazards and improve lighting at home. And finally, exercise daily to improve balance. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. All right. Everything you want to know about Curtis Bolton coming up in a moment here <laughs> on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, so I, I do want to address this. Somebody said, why were there no questions about Myron Tongavailoa Amosa uh, from Kapolei High School? I had it on the list. We ran out of time, but I apologize for that. We'll definitely follow up on that. Yeah. Gary has been instructed to ask the good questions first next time. I thought he did. I, you know, he looked okay, man. Looked like he belonged on the little uh, parts that I I saw him play. I enjoyed that. Good. Uh, I, I root for him. I root for Braden Fehoko because the Chargers had a had a very bad run defense, especially up the middle last year, and they're looking to make you know improve that part of it. I I, I hope they don't blame that on him, so to speak. But I hope that uh, you know he plays for a long, long time. Did Braden just get married? Yeah, he got married here in Oahu about oh. three, four weeks ago, and I saw a report somebody posted up on Facebook the other day that he's looking really good in camp, one of the very big bright spots early on at least, oh, so that's, good. that's, that's awesome. encouraging. That's awesome. Love that kid. Um, da -da -da -da. Good morning, animals, this texter says. One thing that is absolutely terrible at the on-campus football games for women is the portable restrooms. Especially the restrooms are shared with men. They're so dirty. Urine on the floor. I want to describe it. Um, I me emailed two people at the athletic department, and both did not respond. I suggested having separate portables. Yeah, you got to have uh, Aaron, thank you for texting that in. Aaron from the 96701. I think that because men are just pigs, I, I think you have to have men's and women's separate portables. Well, they have yeah. bathrooms below the press box in the lower concourse, if that's the right way to describe it. There are bathrooms there. Yes. Men there and are, women's. Right. They have, yeah, they have men's and women's bathrooms in this structure. But I'm just saying what I'm getting at is I think it's pretty easy to go, okay, these four, they say kane, and these four say yeah. wahine. And yes. we all get how to do that because, face it, you know, especially, you know, maybe you had a couple, you start to miss. You can't hit the target all the time. <laughs> I think that's a very, very You need good a high idea. percentage, like a quarterback. you got to have a completion percentage. Yeah. All right. Um, Chris's idea for a pregame party on campus. Oh, it's great. Thank you. Best text of the day. <laughs> what about having it at Andrews, Andrews Amphitheater? He says, I saw Ario Speedwagon there. No way. Ario Speedwagon played at Andrews? I know Bob oh, Dylan did. Uh, yeah, but. I would have loved to have seen Ario over there. I saw the Romantics play at Andrews wow. once, and that was that was kind of a party. But oh, I would love to have seen Ario. You know, before they got wimpy, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that was before high good. infidelity. Before high infidelity. Uh, Texture goes on to say, you could even screen the game on a big TV. Those watch parties are maybe even better than crowding in a big stadium. Oh, you could have a the stadium going on. And then a watch party going on at Andrews. Hey, I'm all for that. That's, that's cool. I like it. 
Uh, somebody else texted and said they also have bathrooms at the Less, at Les Murakami Stadium. That's kind of a walk. What if you really got to go? Well, if you're in that end zone, it's not that much of a walk. That's true. True that. True that. But anyway, thanks for texting in at 808-296-1420. Sorry about the, uh, uh, the missing the Myron question. We'll get the good stuff out first next time. Um, Curtis Bolton. And see, why didn't Mitchell Wren say, I'm surprised you didn't ask me about Myron Tongavailoa uh, Amosa. Instead, he said, you didn't ask me about Curtis Bolton. And we just looked at each other here and went, uh, we, we were, you know, I think neither of us wanted to say, who the heck's that? Exactly. Nicholas Bolton is a, he was born in Hawaii and he went to, he's uh, six feet, oh, 28 pounds. Curtis Bolton. What did I say? Nicholas. Michael Bolton was a great Michael. singer who, who oh, lost his hair prematurely. <laughs> <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with that. So he's been on the practice squad uh, for the Packers, Texans, Colts, 49ers. Uh, he played a couple of games for the Lions last year. And right now he's trying to make it on the Las Vegas Raiders as a linebacker. He went to Oklahoma. He had a great senior season, 138 tackles, uh, four and a half sacks. But uh, he's, a, he's a journeyman, been trying to catch on for the last uh, couple of years with the team. But there you go, Curtis Bolton, born in Hawaii. We're guessing he's uh, military and um, grew up on the mainland. So there you go. Just signed five days ago with them. Hawaii's own Curtis Bolton. <laughs> Local brother. Honolulu's own. All right, we got to go. Remember, at uh, 1.30, got Yankees and Cardinals on CBS 1500. Let's talk sports with Kanoa at 12. And then we've got Josh and the gang at 3 o'clock on ESPN Honolulu.